Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie, and welcome, everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. It is Wednesday. We are at Hemp Day, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Uh, it is, uh, what is it? It's April 24th already, 2019. I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and just a little bit, we'll be joined by my on-the-road traveling companion, um, co-host Craig Hurley, who is with his fiance heading out to beautiful downtown LA as he prepares his big move he's been doing the last month. So he'll be joining me in just a little bit. Uh, this is your call-in show to let us know what's on your mind. We like talking about the news of the day, politics, pop culture, but anything that really tickles your funny bone, let us know what's going on. You can give us a call right here at 347-989-0126. Again, that's 347-989-0126. We're here to take your calls for the next hour. Mr. Craig Hurley, how the heck are you? Good. How are you, sir? Am I giving you a heart attack? You're killing me. You are killing me. I haven't had a bad day. You can't be calling in a minute into the show. I was vamping. (laughs) It's okay. How are you doing? Um, I'm a little tired. A little tired. Been a little tired? A, lot, so a little tired, yeah. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Where are you in? Are you uh, making your way down the road in another super secret, highly undisclosed location? Yeah, I, I'm uh, currently um, in the heavy side layer is where I am. Up, there up, you up, go. past the Russell. I like it. Well, it's going to be a flying by the seat of our pants kind of show today, boys and girls. Craig is tired. I've been out all day. My computer has been turning itself off literally every five minutes. So I've had no time to write notes down. So I have a couple of websites pulled up, but my computer's going to crash in five minutes anyway. So it doesn't really matter. We'll just talk about yeah. whatever's on our mind, friends. We'll just see what happens. Oh, no, I've got a number. You, you know me. I've got a number of things to talk about. So there you um, go. Uh, Kick it off. All, um, yeah. Um, the earthquake in the Philippines. We haven't talked about that at all, and that was two days ago. Point uh, one. Uh, it's pretty nasty. Um, I'm not sure how many people were killed. I'm not sure. I think I read 50, but I haven't checked in a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't checked in a while. I think it's 50. There's some amazing video that is coming out of there because uh, the way the earthquake happened, uh, it really um, – any, any, any place that had a, that had a pool uh, of any kind, um, that water was basically ejected from, from said pool. So uh, there were multiple pools on top of hotels that, you know, huge, just, uh, you know, millions of gallons of water. And uh, they were dumped over the side of 
buildings and of the hotels. And it created these huge waterfalls that were just landing on people and landing on cars and just crushing shit as they, as it hit the ground. So just an immense amount of water. And there, there's I did not see that. On yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy to watch it. Wow. Falls coming off the top of these buildings. Craziness. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing that. I know I saw the headline that they had the earthquake and I saw about 50 people die. And that was, as you said, two days ago. I haven't heard too much right. about it since. I'm surprised it hasn't been a little more in the news, but I, I did hear about it. Yeah, our media, our media is not really covering stuff that they need to be. Um, there's events that are happening worldwide that we have to be paying attention to because they will directly affect us. And it's because uh, that's the ring of fire ring of fire so they had 6.1 it's going to go around to the other side now so now we got to be looking at los angeles and we got to be looking at san francisco we're going to be looking at seattle um also alaska you know we got to look at all of that so because that's the that's the way it's going that's the next place it'll pop most likely i see wow that's craziness Hey, I'm just pulling up uh, things here, and like I said, i got to pull this up. That leader of the armed militia that we talked about yesterday looks like he's been yeah. beaten up in jail. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't wish that. I don't wish that on anybody. Um, but uh, you, you can't be doing the shit that, that you're doing. You know, this is a, this is a, a country, um, the United States, and I'm driving all over it right now. There is so much land. There's so much. There's so many areas where there's nobody. So please, like it says on on the Statue of Liberty, for your huddled masses. And um, because we've got enough room for them. I, 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 I just drove through Nebraska. And it's freaking, dude, there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there. So there's more than enough room for everybody. And, uh, you know, I Have you seen I, all those wind farms, don't... though? There is some good wind farms on the drive-thru. Yeah. Have you been seeing any of those yeah, at all? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, which yeah. I, I'm not understanding why we're still using oil. I, st- I talked about that yesterday, that 80% of our energy consumption worldwide over the last year has been oil and, and coal. And it's like, why are we doing that? We've, we've, we do have all of these alternative energies and we need to concentrate on those. But they're less pollutant. Yeah. It's a, it's a very kind of wild sight to see all of those windmills as you drive down the highway, because there's like hundreds of those things. It's very cool looking. Pellers blades. I don't know how big they are. What are they? At least fifty feet. You know what the oh, what the actual they're huge. things are? They're huge. They're huge. I, I've seen trucks. Yeah, I've seen trucks carrying them on the road and uh, hauling them on the road, and they're just huge. Just absolutely huge. I I, I don't know how big they are. At least fifty feet long. All right, so I pulled the story up. He was he is he is not uh, any non life threatening injuries. He was beaten up by fellow detainees. His lawyer said he was uh, 
dazed and injured and thoroughly demoralized. I, I'm sure that the people that he detained illegally on the border weren't demoralized at all by him. Yeah, him. not at all. But, not at all. These yeah, are, not these at are all. people that are seeking. These are people that are seeking so, asylum. They're seeking asylum from really, really, really shitty countries. And they want, you know, to, to have some type of quality of life. And they come across well, the border. I will even give some, him that these are probably people. Yeah. I will even give that this, these people are probably not asylum seekers. It's possible. But obviously, if they're t- detaining them, that means they're not coming through a legal point of entry or they wouldn't be allowed to be at the legal point of entry. So I will give them that maybe these guys, they could be um, Im- immigrants that are just trying, that are just fed up with the lines and the baloney that's going on at the actual checkpoints, but they are coming into the country legal. I'll give them that. It's still, that being said, we do not have militias that do citizens arrest for these people. That's not their job. There is not no. a job. So um, there is no excuse for what they're doing. And for detaining these people, I, like I said, though I have to admit that they probably are illegal. They could be seeking asylum, or they could just be illegal immigrants because obviously they're not at a, at a border point, or these guys wouldn't be the ones doing it. Um, but we'll see what happens. Story's still there to tell, but I thought that was interesting. But he felt demoralized. Poor guy. What else do you have on your list while I keep searching through the news here? Big thing that they're talking about now, um, we lost Craig traveling, so the connection's not the best. So one of the things that are on my hot button issue, and I'll ask Craig his opinion when he gets back, talking about jail and everything, is Sanders is kind of uh, – I was going to Sorry. get your opinion here. Oh, and that's right. Um, <laughs> I missed all of that. Missed all of that. My no problem. I, I was just going to move on. Speaking of inmates and everything, I want your opinion on Sanders' controversial comments about letting inmates vote. I'm not really on board with that. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Senator, Barry, or Senator Bernie Sanders is saying that he believes people in prison should have full voting rights. Um, um, I, I would say it depends. I would say it depends on the situation. Uh, also, I, I, I really think we need complete prison reform. So, uh, and we need to Agreed. get it out of uh, get it out of privatized hands. Um, that you know needs to end. And also, anyone that is uh, in involved in a nonviolent drug related crime needs to be let out immediately. So there are other issues that we should be concentrating on other than voting rights. Um, if you are currently in prison, um, your voting rights should probably not be a, a thing that you should be concerned about. Um, you should be concerned about figuring out why you're there, you know, and, and if you're there uh, and you shouldn't be, then you need to get out. So, um, you know, those are, those are other things. And then once you're out, then getting your rights to, to vote. Like, I know a lot of felons aren't allowed to vote, and that was a big deal down in Florida. Still is. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're going for 
all of the voting rights of, of people who are out of jail and are, you know, have a felony. And it dep- I, right. I would say it depends on the situation and it depends. And we really, really need to concentrate on the individual when it comes to prisons, um, uh, because every single case is different uh, for the people that are in jail. And there's a lot of people that are innocent, so they need to be, you know, released and then expunged. Their their records need to be expunged, especially in right. drug-related crimes. It's just it's so foolish. It, all that's about money. Yeah, exactly. And I'm totally forgetting your And Once you're out of prison, you've paid your due to society. You yep. That's something yep. different. Yep. But if you're out of prison, yep. you've paid yep. your debt to society, you should get full voting rights restored immediately, no matter what. Now, yep. like you said, in prison... It's going to depend because, of course, all of these people are jumping on Sanders and kind of regrettably so because he's saying all prisoners should. He's saying all. And obviously, so the uh, right wing is jumping immediately. Okay, so you're talking about the Unabomber and the Boston Marathon bomber and the this and the that. Of course, they're going straight to all the violent criminals. But as you said, there's a lot of nonviolent criminals in there that should not be in jail to begin with. Correct. And uh, um, I mean, I think I agree. Personally, I think that prison is a punishment. And one of the punishments is you don't get to be a free person for society to vote. Um, So I don't think anybody should. But you're right. There are people that shouldn't be in there. But I just think until we figure out a way to get them out. Anyone that's in prison, in my opinion, should not be allowed to vote. I just think that is right. Your your, your rights are are, your fictitious rights are are taken away, you know. And right, that's you know, I I don't mean to laugh um, because I you know it's horrible um, when your civil rights are taken away. Um, But uh, you have to prove that this that what you're being accused of either didn't happen or that you've paid your debt. And, you know, and, and if it did happen, then, you know, you need to pay your debts to society. And part of that is giving up your freedoms. And then once you're out, then we work on it, you know, then we work on it and make sure that you get your voting rights back and get your, your right to work and, and do whatever you need to do, you know, in order to have a good quality of life. There you go. Agreed. Yeah, I just uh, I think it's going to bite Sanders in the ass a bit. Uh, he's already getting a lot of flack for it. I don't necessarily agree with it, and I'm a liberal person. I think that's just the, yeah, that's just the socialist in him talking. That's just the socialist. Right. He, he he wants to make sure that everybody has rights, regardless of what their situation right. is in life. You know, and 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 I get that. I get that. You know, that he that I, I understand what he's trying to say. But there are extenuating circumstances. You know, I, I would not want a guy like John Wayne Gacy to have been given the right to vote. That exactly. doesn't that doesn't freaking work. You know, or or Manson. You know, you don't you don't give these people the right to vote. Right. Agreed. All right. Well, here's a fun story in my native Ohio. Here, um, a guy lost forty pounds. In 40 days, I lost over 44 pounds in 40 days for giving this up for Lent, which was food, 
He gave up food for Lance. Instead, he substituted wow. with just one item. Guess what that one item was? Food. You're substituting food? Just one one thing is all he did the entire day? One thing is all he did for the entire 40 days. He lost over 44 pounds. Wow. Um, did he need to lose that weight? I don't know. I didn't say that part. But what, it, what he did it for Lent, and right. he is saying it's an old Catholic tradition that dates back to the 1600 monks of Bavaria, where they right. gave up all solid food for Lent and only drank wow. a special kind of beer they called Doppelbach. So he's only drank craft beers for the last 40 days. That's wow. all this gentleman has had. In wow. Cincinnati, Ohio area. So he's <laughs> beer only. He's he been he's drunk. He's out throughout the day. The <laughs> he says he hasn't been buzzed because he faces it out throughout the day. I don't know if I believe that or not, but that's what he said. Uh, he said okay. He hasn't yeah, been buzzed. I'm going to have a beer, I'm gonna have a beer for breakfast. I'm going to have a beer uh, right. for lunch. I'm going to have two beers for dinner. And then I'm going to have a beer before I go to bed. Yeah, I'm spacing it out throughout the day. I'm still going to be buzzed. Especially you if, you know, if you're a lightweight. So. But this guy's loving it. He's, he works at a, at a, it's called 50 West Brewing Company in Cincinnati oh, nice. to begin so he with. actually did it. And he loves nice. craft That's beers. Awesome. So uh, he said what happened was in the 1600s, the monks in Bavaria, they gave up all solid food for Lent, and they drank a special kind of beer called Doppelbach. It's got a lot of nutrients in it. A lot of carbohydrates and a lot of sugar is what keeps them going. But because well, that's it's just a all-liquid thing, they've actually lost weight on it. And he's lost 44 yeah, pounds that's, in that's days. That's how we humans, we humans have survived many a um, epidemic. Uh, when our water supply gets damaged, and just like right now, um, you'll see people shifting to beer. Uh, beer has throughout, dude, they had beer in, in Egypt during King Tut days. So, you know, you're talking easily 5,000 years. And the, um, uh, the reason why uh, that we survive on it during epidemics and plagues is because it's fermented and then boiled. So all viruses or, you know, whatever the plague is being caused by or epidemic are, are killed off in the process. And um, uh, we've survived as a human race uh, many, many times on just beer, not eating anything and not drinking water. So I think it's really interesting yeah. that he did that. Yeah, I thought it was very uh, kind of an interesting story. It's kind of a fun little thing for Lent, but also Lame is behind even, it. Even mentioned it. the the play and, and the, I mean the musical. Uh, they even mention it that people are just drinking beer, that they're not drinking water because you know if you, if you look at the sets of Lame is, they show the sewer system is just a complete disaster, that there's just sewage everywhere, so the water supply sucks. And they were talking about uh, or singing about that people are just drinking beer. Can't remember the name of the characters, the two shysty characters uh, that. uh, Oh, yeah, the real funny uh, ones with the funny teeth and everything. Sasha Baron Cohen and and, uh, Helena. uh, uh, 
what's her face? Uh, Carter. Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they played. I can't think of the, the na- their names, but they were drunk all the time <laughs> throughout the entire. Yeah, day. they are really um, drinking beer. They're really funny. Um, those characters, I love those characters. Um, yeah. And it's like the, they, the that the, master, starts with an, uh, the master of the house song that they sing is freaking hilarious. Yeah. You should yeah. pull that up on YouTube and play that sometimes because it's very funny. But uh, it, it, it's, it is a funny part. I didn't think about that. Ooh, sad news so, yeah, popping so up. I'm popping up all these stories. Oops, go ahead. Finish up. Finish no, up the thought on no, the sad story here. Uh, go ahead. Uh, you know, I was just saying that beer is, is, uh, has helped us throughout, throughout time. It's helped us to survive, the human race to survive when things get really bad. I don't know if this was uh, making its rounds in Chicago before you guys left. But um, there, there was that five-year-old boy missing in Illinois. Um, his parents um, put him missing last Thursday. He's a five-year-old boy. His name was Andrew Frond, and uh, it, he was living in Crystal Lake outside of Chicago. I'm sure you know where that's at. Yeah, um, yeah it's and, north of Chicago. Well, the parents reported missing last Thursday. They've been looking for him for this entire time. Well, unfortunately, they found him in a shallow grave by his parents' house in Woodstock, Illinois, and his parents have been arrested for killing him. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow, dude. Uh, not a good end to that. I'm kind of doing brushing over here real quick here. Uh, information was uncovered through forensic inv- investigation of cell phone communications uh, that both parents then provided information that led them to AJ's body. So the parents are the ones that brought him there, um, buried in a shallow grave right by their house. So it seems like that's kind of proof positive. The parents led him there after saying he was missing for five days. Right. Sounds like, uh, wow. Pretty sad well, stuff. they've been arrested. Like yeah. Uh, that, dude, that sucks. I, I, you know, sometimes I, I, I have no idea what happened there. Um, and, uh, and I, I just know that there's sometimes people should not be parents. They should not have kids. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess and after got a little news right. attention last week, the uh, Illinois department of child and family services let the police know that they've been active in AJ's life since birth. He even was um, resided with another person for, Three years from 2015 to 2018. Wow, so, so there was a problem. Some people there thought was it was a little before. fishy. Yeah, it sounds like it was a little yeah. fishy that uh, people, after these guys reported to the police, people went to the police and said, well, you may want to look at this. So, Wow. Wow. Very sad. Yeah, I, today, you know, I don't know, man. Families and and you know, there's there's a lot of dysfunction going on in, in this world, and uh, you know, and and then we're you know trying to stop abortion, you know, and then this type of stuff happens. I I don't get it. You know, it's like I, I just don't get it. Yeah, you're supposed to have a kid to, to, to like enhance your life, right? You know, it's, right. it's not supposed to be something that is a to, to spite you. It's supposed to be something to to 
you know, and it's an individual event that, that you've created. And, you know, you, you have to pay attention to that. It's a new individual. It's not you. That, that person is, is someone else. Even though they may emulate, emulate you, you know, like, like my daughter. I mean, she's like a spitting image of me. So, you know, I always thought you know, what it would be like for me to be a woman. And now I know. Um, cause she <laughs> is, you know, she acts a lot like I act and, um, uh, and she's, you know, just absolutely brilliant. And as an individual, that's, you know, that's all I can ask for as, as a father, right. you know, it's like, you know, that she be, you know, herself and that she be a very powerful individual. I can't, you know, and I, and I, and I don't want to influence her one way or another on, on her decisions to do what she wants to with her life. So to have, you know, hear this news today uh, about this kid that's five years old, I'm like, my, what, you know, what, what is the deal with people? Don't have them in the first place. I, I just, you know, I don't get it. So. Very sad news. And it looks like, yeah. uh, Bopping around other news here. Measles, officially two more cases of measles in New York, brings it to 671 <laughs> cases in 2019. Now you're just making me laugh. Keep going, anti-vaxxers. Keep going, anti-vaxxers. Can you believe oh, this? Yeah, we're gonna no. We're gonna get cholera. 2019, we eradic- when United did we eradicate States measles? How long ago was it? Oh my God, a lot. Now uh, we have I don't even know. Like 1,800. cases know. in four months. <laughs> Under four months. Oh. Under four months. Yeah. So wow. stupid. Well, you know, that it's uh, Darwin. Darwin. Darwin would be proud. Darwin would be proud of the anti-vaxxers right now because it's natural selection, survival of the fittest. Here you go. Now your kid has measles. Let's see if it'll survive. Oh, maybe it won't. Survival of the fittest, natural selection. Right. So, you know, where the people who have been vaccinated, well, they didn't get measles. In New York and Rockland County, New York, they've had 590 cases since October of last year. So that's six months. Wow. 590 have been there. And like I said, a total of 600 just this year alone. So it's this New York area. New York, wow. what are you doing, dudes? I don't understand. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. So once again, we're, we're getting back. I guess we're cultural. supposed to get vaccinated again. Have you heard that? That our age is supposed to get vaccinated again? Well, because it because supposedly wears off. This particular off, strain is a little different. It's oh, been it's, mutated it's from the original one. So they said if you're right. a baby baby boomer and born um, after 60, I think before 67. Wait a second. After 67? I got to look. I know that it's like if you were born between 61 and 70s, you need to go get revaccinated for measles. They're recommending it because this huh. new strain has gotten a little crazy. But I called the other day. Oh, it's going to mutate. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the second half of the um, shingles virus. So I'm taking that because I get anything that's out there. 
I have I have get all the weird things. I had meningitis, almost died at sixteen. I had meat, uh, chicken pox twice when I was a kid. Um, Your chicken pox twice. Really I had out. chicken pox once. Yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to get them twice. It's very dangerous to get them twice, but I got them twice. Like I said, I got spinal meningitis. That was fun. So I just was sure I was going to get shingles. So um, they said once you start getting close to 50, you can take the shingles vaccine, but you have to have it, take it in two parts. And they've been out of the second part right. for like forever. So I've been waiting for my second part. So I'll probably get it sometime before the second part gets released again. But I will go do my measles shot again. I'll get a booster on my measles just because. I'm the kind of guy that would need it, and I like to travel to New York, so I should. <laughs> yeah, I I don't ever get sick, so I, I don't know where when it happened. Uh, you know, I used to get sick when I was a kid, and then and then somewhere in there, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the weed, um, but uh, I don't get sick. Um, and when I do it, I get pummeled. Uh, I'll just like, I'll be out for, you know, a, a week and I'm, right. I'm just leveled. I can't do anything but sleep. So, um, but, but I, I never get sick. I just don't. I never got sick when I was growing up and when I lived in California when the temperature was very moderate. But once I moved back right. here in my first four years, Anytime the weather changed, I would be sick probably five or six times a year. Now it's not as bad. I'll get sick on a couple temperature changes because um, right. so it goes so much here. But I was never sick as a kid. But these temperature and the uh, changes here just get me for some reason. Partly because I don't dress right for it, even though it's more viral. <laughs> it's supposed to be more viral than how you dress. But I still think I'm in California no matter where I live. So I don't dress appropriately. Hey, I'm, things like I'm wondering if I'm wondering if our subdued conversation today, because it has been very, um, I don't know, kind of like I just said, subdued. Low energy um, is 45. It, with yeah, low, low energy is 45. We are low energy right now. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how people are actually taking that. Three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. You know, because I. Because I know if you just flip the channel right now and you're listening to, you go listen to something else, you probably got some idiot yelling some shit. So you know, I'm wondering you how you all feeling about about how your your background noise right now, uh, us. Um, Give you us know, a call. Kind of, Help us uh, up the energy. Three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. We'll take a quick break. It's actually four thirty right on the nose. Little country, nice. Tommy. What it used to be. Yeehaw, boys. You're playing country? Wow. We'll have a little yeehaw country. No, that's some growth. There's some growth. I like that. There you go. I try on a Scott's growing. (laughs) All right, guys. Matt Van Fossum, we'll be back on the other side. Give us a call, 347-989-0126. Maybe. There it goes. Come on, Eternity 
I'm so glad I put us back in because my computer died right after I did. We would have been stuck in listen mode forever there. Hey, boys and girls, we're back. Who would have thought? We almost weren't for a second. One of those days, <laughs> I'm standing on my soapbox. We are low energy, low computer CPU. We are having uh, a day here standing on my soapbox. All right, so what's going on, my friend? Let's see what else. I just pulled up on something while we were on break, talking off air a little bit. I thought it was an interesting article. Uh, Walt Disney's granddaughter, Abigail Disney, has been railing the last couple of days about uh, Disney profit margins and that the CEO, Bob Iger, took home $62 million last year from the company. Wow. She is calling for the company to uh, take half of the bonuses that the executives earn and distribute it to the bottom 10% of their 200,000 employees. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That's really cool. I don't know if she has any say in it, but she, like I said, she's a granddaughter and she's been, she's been Uh, going on. She's probably, yeah, no, she's probably a shareholder. I would think. Yep. And it sounds like she wants to be more hands-on at this moment and actually, you know, being a Disney an actual Disney, um, she can get the most press than any of the other executives. Yeah, she wrote a uh, opinion piece in the Washington Post a couple days ago, and it went viral on Twitter, started trending on Twitter, talking about the wage inequality at the Walt Disney Company. And she says, really I believe cool. that Disney could well lead the way if its leaders choose to be a more decent, humane, and better way of doing business in the piece she wrote published Tuesday. Um, wow. I think that's pretty interesting. That's impressive. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I, I'm not that sure is- that that's the way she that, that Walt would have ran his company, but – um, because from what I understand, things like the cartoonist union um, uh, entities like that were created because of Walt Disney. Uh, he really? was kind of brutal when it came to um, uh, his graphic artists and what he paid them. Uh, and, you know, he's, he created all those uh, Academy Award-winning films, animated films. So um, and created this this corporation that is now you know this 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 monster, um, right. and uh, but he did it basically with slave labor. He w- he was barely paying his his employees, and he was treating them really badly. So for her to do that um, is a- an amazing thing, actually, for her to want to, to do that with what is his company. Um, is is actually a really amazing thing. Yeah, yeah different unions were developed. Industry. That's very cool. I'm sorry, what? Since Disney just bought most of the rest of the entertainment industry, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that'll that that will definitely trickle down. Um, that is a form of trickle down that does work, especially if you distribute it to all the rest of the employees and, and you distribute it, distribute it accordingly, um, then it will trickle down that way. Uh, that's the only way trickle down works is if you force it to work. 
not if you right. just assume that you know the the heads of the corporations are going to be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give up you know a, a third or whatever it is. Sure, you know no no they're not they're none of those people want to do that. They don't want to do that. This right. is capitalism. So you have to force them. Yeah, and, and, and they can do without one more yacht. Million, that didn't even count as bonuses and everything else. Oh yeah, so, sure. I mean, he's got plenty of plenty of money there. Well, it looks like well, uh, you know, there's it's always it's always as much money as you make. That's as much as you spend. There's a cliche in there somewhere that I don't use, um, but you know it's uh, you, you, the, the amount of money that you make in this life is the amount of money that you're spending. It, it, that doesn't stop. So you know he made sixty-two million dollars. He probably spent sixty-two million dollars. <laughs> you know it's like even though you right. and I you know would be like be like how do you spend sixty-two million dollars? Well. But there, you you spend it because you have to in order just to maintain your lifestyle. So it's all these yeah, extravagant parties and and different. You know, you got to buy this car, you got to have that yacht, you got to have this penthouse, you got to have these. There's certain things that you have to have in order to maintain in the eyes of your peers when you get to any level. No, very true. My computer keeps crashing on me, dude. I don't even have any news for nice. right now. He's well, got to start vamping for 19 minutes. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, I can throw some weather at you. Um, everybody watch out. <laughs> uh, you know, we were talking it yesterday. Tornado Alley is different now. Tornado Alley is currently south, southeast. Um, you're going to get, you know, tornadoes anywhere from Texas all the way through uh, Louisiana and Alabama and Georgia and Florida and Virginia's and and freaking North Carolina, South Carolina, all that stuff is and and you guys got to watch out too. Ohio Valley, um, got to watch out for the top ends of these storms. Uh, they're they're all getting getting stronger getting more severe. Yeah, they redid our entire and, weather report for the week, actually. We were supposed to show in the yep. 70s all week earlier, yep. and then this morning I checked it out, and everything dropped to the mid to upper six, so it yeah, dropped down about five these, to seven degrees for the week. All these weather people, uh, the weather men and the weather women, are all uh, becoming keenly aware of the fact that they cannot do a 10-day forecast they cannot do a seven-day forecast. Um, everyone is – everybody's on top of, like, these two-day forecasts is, is all that they can kind of do. And it's changing within 24 hours. You'll have a, a, a different thing happening. These storms are coming out of nowhere. They're forming up out of nowhere. It used to be that we used to see them coming, and we used to see them building up. And now, no, they're just forming. And then causing chaos wherever it is that they happen to pass by, even if it's for a short time. That's just wild. Too wild. Yeah. yeah like It'll get said, worse. It's, it's changed, changes here. And, and yesterday the forecast was wrong. We talked about it yesterday. Today it's yep. been totally revamped, the forecast for the week. So there's something happening somewhere. That's for damn sure. Yeah. 
I, I kind of wanted to jump off of all of the down part of what we've been talking about. Um, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about food because um, I'm kind of a, a kitchen Nazi. And, and I, you know, like Katie, my fiance doesn't really know how to cook. And so I'm the one that's cooking all the time. And I, well, not all the time. I mean, she does have some dishes that she does, but, but overall, uh, I'm the one making the meals and I'm wondering where all that comes from because, um, you know, she also like, uh, doesn't really know how to pack luggage or, or, you know, pack stuff up or, or do like the, the Tetris job of, of storing stuff and, you know, and, and, you know, the, the stacking, you know, lightweight totes on top of heavy, heavier totes or, or bins, you know, stuff like that. And, and also, you know, the, like putting a furniture in the middle of, of like hallways and, 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 <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and, and walkways. And I'm thinking it's like a, a thing that comes from like parenting. And, and I was like, so what's the deal? You know, I, I, I understand that, you know, her mom was like, was like, and her, and, and her mom and my mom are very similar. And, 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 and I'm like, so, so what's the deal with this? And, and I, and she's like, well, I think it has to do, cause I flipped out, dude. We were, I, she was making macaroni and cheese. All right. Macaroni and cheese. It's like the easiest freaking meal to make. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a boxed macaroni and cheese, craft macaroni and cheese. It's the easiest thing. And it's just that I throw in, you know, salt and pepper and I throw in some butter and I do that before while I'm boiling because I'm like a cook, you know, I'm like, I'm like a chef in some ways. And like, you know, I have, I have different recipes just running around in my head. I have a hundred tofu recipes running around in my head and, and Ooh, stuff like that. So oh. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh. on purpose. Oh no, I can make tofu taste like a cheeseburger if that's what you want. Um, I, tofu is real easy to, to manipulate as far as taste is concerned. Uh, but um, um, anyway, uh, the, she was just making craft macaroni and cheese and I flipped the, I flipped out, dude. I, I was just like having just like a serious moment of, I, you know, I'm flipping out of macaroni and cheese and I'm like, okay, so what is the deal on, on all of this? And she was like, well, I think it was, you know, my mom was, was like setting, like setting me up so that I don't have to not like setting her up, but, but like, cause she, you know, her mom looked at, at Katie, like she was a diva from the time she was a little kid. And, and like, you know, she's this brilliant performer, which she is. And, and that, I was going to say, in her defense, I see a lot of people that have been longtime actors and she's been a longtime actor since she was a kid that have been on regular series that are so used to craft services. Cause I watch all the food network shows and all the worst cooks in America, celebrity edition are all celebrities that have been on long running shows. I just think they just never never developed that skill in her defense. Exactly. That's what she said is that she's, she was setting me up so that, 
you know, some some guy like like me or or just whatever guy in her life has to expect that, you know, she's not going to be doing these things. She's not going to be doing the laundry. She's not going to be placing furniture and she's not going to be moving shit. She's not going to be making food correctly. Why? Because that son of a bitch that she's with needs to be <laughs> needs to be the one that's <laughs> responsible for all of that and needs to be responsible for the be, making sure she's on a set. So that all of that stuff is taken care of so that she doesn't even have to worry about that. So she can concentrate on being a diva, which she is. And, and I just thought it was really, really <laughs> fun that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kitchen Nazi and yet no, it's really that, you know, her mom didn't teach her on purpose. So, you know, and it's like to, to make sure that, you know, that son of a bitch, I'll have to take care of it. Whoever that son of a bitch is, which it turns out. That's hilarious. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, I love, so, yeah. you know me, I'm a huge foodie. I mean, I would love to just go cross country and check out every little diner there is cross country because I love diner food like a son of a gun. And that would yeah. be a dream thing for me if I wouldn't be 8,000 pounds by the end of it. But I would drive from New York to California, hit every diner I could find in between, especially if like an old trailer, like in an old Airstream or something. I love those kind of old diners and stuff. Katie and I try when, because we're on the road a lot. Um, Katie and I are very gypsy in that, where we travel to where the work is. And um, uh, we we do try to... um, uh, stop at different restaurants that we've never tried, you know, stuff like that. Um, I love it. You know, things that we don't normally see. Uh, we do try to, to stop and, and, you know, um, taste whatever it is that their, that their specialty is. And, uh, and, and it's, it's really interesting. Some of the reactions of, of people because uh, Katie's very, very well known. And um, especially in a lot of market and and a lot of the restaurants that we stop at, people are like, what are you doing here? So, (laughs) you know, because it's like because we're driving along and we're, you know, just stopping to have a break from the drive. And uh, and we stop at their restaurants. I I love trying. Well, I like I really like or it could be a big place if it's not a chain. I like I really like. Cracker Barrel, for some reason, and I know it's a chain, um, but I, I I trust it as far as when I'm on the road and not getting sick. So right. I you know not having a reaction, not necessarily sick, but just a reaction from foods that I'm not used to. And uh, but um, I, dude, I, you know chains. I don't normally eat Subway. But when I'm out in in the middle, if I'm near uh, an area where there's a bunch of cows, I'll go and, and go to Subway because they're getting local <laughs> meats. And you know that that meat is really good and that it was just brought to them yesterday. So, you know, I, I, I just, you know, stuff like that when I, you know, when I'm driving through um, places like Nebraska or Kansas or Oklahoma. Um, when I'm, you know, I, I, I will stop at a subway if I see that there's cows that there, they, we just drove through, you know, a pasture and there were a bunch of cows because I know that the meat nice. are, are all grown locally. 
What about all those signs on the freeways anymore where they have like for 90 miles, you get, you, you get these signs, these places that, that want you to stop so bad. Beef jerky hut, 95 miles, beef jerky hut, 65 miles. That's, yep. that's what's cracked me up the last couple of times I've driven cross country. It's still um, very much a billboard driven society, but they have these things forever. They try to get you forever to get to stop by the little place. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, they depend on tourism. A lot of these places depend on tourism, and we we need to stop. You know, as tourists, you need to stop. You need to pick up whatever it is that they have, so that you can support the local economy as you're blowing through there. Because that's what we are. I agree. When, you know, when we're driving cross country, we're we're tourists. Yep, I'm going to plan out most of my thing. I don't plan my stops in between. I plan where I'm going to spend the night. But I like to try to find little treasures like that along the drive and stop every couple hours to see if I find a fun sign out somewhere and pick up a little something. I'm a huge saltwater taffy fan. If I see a sign for saltwater taffy, I'm going to stop no matter what. Beef jerky is another thing. If I see a beef jerky sign, I'm probably going to stop for that. I love supporting little places along along the drive. That's fun for me. Yeah, and they always have little specialty things, too. Um, like uh, if you're driving down, like, I-55 in Illinois and you go past Funk's Grove, they have um, uh, maple syrup, and it is just insanely good. And there's only a certain amount that you can get, you know, at, at, the, at the time. There's only a certain amount that they have, and they sell out really quickly, and they make candies, and they make all these other little maple just uh, confectionaries that are just. That's cool. I love that. I love things like that. That's very cool. Are we there? Did I lose you? Oh, there you're there. Nope. I lost him. All right, guys, we'll give it a second, another second to call back. We only have about six minutes left here of the show. Um, give us a call three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Tomorrow we'll be here. All day we're having a technical issue down kind of day today, so we apologize for that. Here to stay tuned. We got two great shows coming up. We have the best of the Randy Report coming up in about six minutes here, and then Astro Kiki Radio, where astrology and pop culture mixes. That'll be happening. So we got Craig back here. We got about five minutes left, my friend. Little left. Yeah, just that. just stop for just stop for. It'll only take five minutes, is what I think I was saying when I got cut off. Right. You know, just stop at those places for five minutes. That's all it takes. And you need a rest anyway when you're driving. And stop polluting the atmosphere. So, you know, you at least turn your car I'm a little afraid, though, because, of course, Katie and I talk. And uh, what am I seeing comic book things? You're collecting more stuff on the drive. Didn't you just go through months of collecting, and now you're collecting mm-hmm. more stuff? No, she just took a picture from what I, from what I understand of, of, uh, uh, Batman. It was a Batman and Superman, right? It was, it was I think super, I, yeah. I yeah, don't know if it was for me and my superhero if you guys were collecting new things and I was getting scared. No, for no, 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 that, that was a picture <laughs> taken. Like, yeah, we were at the Cracker Barrel. And uh, in I don't know where it was, um, but we were at the Cracker Barrel and and took a, and she just took a picture of that of the uh, it's an original comic book I think it was actually in, on the inside it's probably black and white of Superman and and um, uh, Batman 
Superman versus nice. Batman. And I don't know when that, like 1940s or 1950s. Yeah, I thought it looked awesome. I said, just don't collect more shit. You just got rid of half your collection stuff. Ah, no. (laughs) We we didn't get rid of anything. Uh, We we got rid of a lot of stuff, but we didn't get rid of everything. And Katie and I have figured out that we are better at collecting things than we are at selling them. So um, we, yeah. Uh, we appreciate our collections. We, we actually really like them. And that's why we are willing to hold on to them and, you know, move them from place to place. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I would imagine, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to not grab hold of anything else as we go along here. It's just that some things are, you know, like you have to, <laughs> right, right. You, you know, you see it and you're like, wait, you only want a dollar for that? Here's a dollar. And then suddenly you've got another comic book. Speaking of uh, Daylight Sucks, um, there's been a, a resurgence in, in, I don't know if it's a resurgence, but um, people are talking about it again. And it's, uh, nice. um, yeah, and they're talking about the practical comic book. They're talking about getting, you know, copies of, I've had a couple of people requesting copies of the actual comic book and not the digital one because they got the digital one and they wanted the, they wanted, they want the other one. So it's, it's really interesting um, how it's, how it's kind of going in, in waves. Uh, Daylight sucks is just going in waves and it's only going to take, you know, one producer to be like, yeah, this is an idea because dude, the merchandising on that thing is just crazy. That's what the, oh, dude, that's I'm going to hook book. you up in LA. When I get to LA, we're going to go to LA TV studios. We're going to hook you up in about 10 nice. seconds. Nice. I just know. I'd like to talk to. I actually like to talk to Netflix about it. I think Netflix would be the, the place no, to go. No, you go to LA TV. You go to LA TV. Okay. That's not, that's the place to go. They're the ones that they do were it. scenic. Scenic rights was pitching it in Korea, and uh, and I thought that was really interesting. That daylight sucks maybe all in all in Korean at first, and I was like, right. wow, that might be actually really cool. Well, LATV, I don't even know how much you know about it. I talked about it with Katie on air a while back, and I don't know if you were able to listen then or not. But LATV is a new um, Latin market TV. It's Latin TV based right. out of Los Angeles, and they're, on, they're in like 32 states right now, and wow. they're doing original programming for, for the Latinx uh, crowd. And well, it is a, a bilingual. Yeah, it is a bilingual. Exactly, it's a natural um, fit show or, or a natural yeah, fit bilingual project, and it so starts I, out in you, Mexico. Yeah, you need to pitch to them. I think yeah. they would be the ones that do because they have the money, and they can do it. Starting out, so they need they need Sweet. the content. Hook us up, Scott. All right, Judith, we got to get out of here. We have a minute and a half left. Keep safe in your travels, cool. my friend. Yeah, I will. Everybody else, uh, watch your skies. Look up. Exactly. Look around. Pay attention. Get the we'll alerts on the your smartphones. bring the energy back tomorrow, and I will make sure my computer's working. I think I'm going to either throw it out tonight and go get a new one or take it back to Best Buy and <laughs> see if I pick about a month of warranty left. I want, my, I want another geek squad. All those. Exactly. All right, guys. We're going to play out a little bit of Matt Stern. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for... The best of the Randy Report and Astro Kiki Radio right here on Left to Straight Radio Network. Bye-bye. Peace.
throw my hands up over my head and cry Still I know you are the one And I still taste you on my tongue And I would be fortunate to lie with you Welcome to the Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, out Mayor Pete Buttigieg continues moving up in the polls among Democratic White House hopefuls. Totally not gay former Congressman Aaron Schock was photographed hanging and getting handsy with the gays at Coachella. Three LGBTQ cult classic movies get the Blu-ray treatment, and Harry's Shave Company goes transgender inclusive with its latest ad spot. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. A new nationwide poll by Change Research of likely Democratic primary voters shows that out-mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, has surged into third place. Former Vice President Joe Biden had a slim one-point lead at 21% support over Senator Bernie Sanders, who garnered 20% support. And then there was Mayor Pete in third place with 17% support. From there, things dropped into single digits with Beto O'Rourke at fourth place with 9%, followed by Elizabeth Warren with 8%, Kamala Harris at 7%, Stacey Abrams at 4%, and Cory Booker at 4%. All other candidates pulled at 2% or less. Also, ABC News reported this week that Buttigieg was voted most likely to become president in his senior high school yearbook, because sometimes, folks, you just know. Eagle-eyed folks at Coachella Music Festival last weekend spotted totally not gay former GOP congressman Aaron Schock hanging out shirtless with a gaggle of gays. Photos were shared in a Facebook post where Schock appeared to be having quite the time at the music festival posing shirtless with a group of men, as well as looking a bit parched or something, standing in a crowded tent, again, shirtless. James Duke Mason posted on his Facebook, quote, Normally I wouldn't comment on something like this, but I am just infuriated by these images of former Republican and anti-gay Congressman Aaron Schock partying with a group of gay men at Coachella. The fact that he would think he would show his face in public particularly when he has never renounced or apologized for his votes against gay marriage, gays in the military, and against anti-discrimination laws is astounding. 
My intention isn't to out him or target him personally, but simply to point out the hypocrisy. I saw him at a recent gay social event in West Hollywood and shook his hand before I realized who he was. He should really be ashamed of himself, and the gays who associate with him, without calling him out, should know better. It really is a disgrace, end quote. As the pictures were shared across social media, several LGBTQ activists expressed their disgust that gay men would be hanging out with the former Republican congressman from Illinois who voted against so many LGBTQ issues during his time in office. He had a voting record that was very anti-LGBTQ, from voting against the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, to supporting an amendment to the Constitution that would ban marriage for gays. All that and more led to a zero rating from the Human Rights Campaign, and he has the nerve to be out there with the gays at Coachella. Hmm. Before a financial scandal that promptly led to his resignation in 2015, you may recall the Downton Abbey-inspired decor of his Washington, D.C. office, Gee Who Knew. Shock was making quite the name for himself, posing shirtless on the cover of fitness magazines, as well as traveling with his own personal photographer, because that's what congressmen do when they're shirtless. But that all went awry when he was indicted on 24 counts that included wire fraud, mail fraud, making false statements, filing false tax returns, and more in November of 2016. Just a few weeks ago, prosecutors agreed to drop the charges if he paid $42,000 in back taxes, as well as returning $68,000 to his congressional campaign funds. While he never came out during his time in Congress, rumors have followed the 37-year-old for years that he was a closet case. And former Congressman Barney Frank of Massachusetts, who came out in 1987, told Business Insider in 2015, quote, I don't know if he's gay or not, but if he is, he's forfeited any right to privacy because he votes anti-gay. My view is that people who are gay, who vote to support the right of other people to do it, have a right to privacy, but the right to privacy does not include hypocrisy. Matthew Rettenmund, a boy culture blog, wrote about the Coachella photos saying, quote, it is appalling to see disgraced former Republican Congressman Aaron Schock cavorting at Coachella with members of the smug White Abs Club, considering his unapologetically anti-gay voting history. From the closet, he voted against gay marriage, against rescinding Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and more, and then he left office due to financial irregularities that he seems to have gotten away with, end quote. From there, it got worse for Shock, as just a few days later, video was sent to the LGBTQ site Queerty, which showed the former congressman making out with a shirtless guy at the festival with his hands getting very busy. Mr. Shock, you may have heard the phrase, come out, come out, wherever you are. So far in American history, we've seen several openly gay or lesbian congress members elected to office. Out lesbian Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin elected to the Senate, as well as openly bisexual Kristen Sinema from Arizona. But to date, an out gay man has yet to serve in the U.S. Senate. That may change next year as Dan Baer, a former ambassador to the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe during the Obama administration, has thrown his hat into the ring for the Democratic nomination in Colorado. At 42, 
Bear has the kind of resume you'd expect for a senator. Besides serving as an ambassador, he was also an assistant secretary of state from 2009 to 2013, and most recently was Colorado's executive director of higher education. Colorado already broke the lavender ceiling last year when it elected Jared Polis as the nation's first openly gay governor. The current senator, Republican Cory Gardner, is considered the most vulnerable incumbent up for re-election next year. While Colorado is increasingly liberal, Gardner has been moving in the other direction. Despite positioning himself as a moderate in 2014, he's been supporting Donald Trump's worst policies, including a vote supporting a national emergency at the border. That vote caused the Denver Post to rescind their endorsement. To get to face Gardner, Bear will have to emerge victorious from a crowded Democratic field that includes some state officials with greater name recognition. Stay tuned. Pride Month is only weeks away, but Converse is already offering their 50th anniversary of Pride sneaker collection. For the first time, transgender sneakers are also available. So we have rainbow-colored sneakers, we have pink, white, and blue sneakers, and they're available for purchase now in kid and adult sizes and will set you back about $60 to $80 with free shipping. I'll have a link in the show notes so that you can check out all the different versions in rainbow and pink, white, and blue themes so that you can show your pride in style this year. LGBTQ movie lovers get ready as three cult classic films are coming out on Blu-ray just in time for Pride. Shout Factory, the American home video company, will release three uber-gay films in high definition for the first time with new bonus features included in each Blu-ray disc package. The three movies cover terrain in the worlds of drag, disco, and romantic comedy. First up, to Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, the 1995 drag comedy starring Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo on a cross-country road trip. New extras include a making-of documentary. The release date is May 28th. And on June 11th, look for Jeffrey, the 1995 gay romantic comedy by Paul Rudnick, based on his play of the same name, starring Stephen Weber and Michael T. Weiss. The logline for the film during the height of the AIDS epidemic was, love is an adventure when one of you is sure and the other is positive. New extras include audio commentary by Steven Weber and film critic Alonzo Duralde, plus interviews with Weber and producer Mark Balsam. Also on June 11th, Can't Stop the Music, oh my God, what a cult classic, the 1980s disco classic starring Steve Gutenberg and a young Bruce Jenner long before transitioning to Caitlyn, and Valerie Perrine, plus the Village People, in a highly fictionalized telling of how that band was formed. Here's a factoid. Producer Alan Carr, who also produced the mega-successful Grease, became very angry with Olivia Newton-John when she refused to star in the film. New extras include an interview with Randy Jones of The Village People, plus audio commentary from Alan Carr and comedy writer Bruce Valanche. Jeff Nelson, the senior director of marketing at Shout Factory, issued a statement about the updated releases saying, 
At Shout, we celebrate and champion the universal movement for equality and drive creative expression and diversity in independent storytelling. We're thrilled to bring these fun films back into the market. There's something for everyone. Outrageous camp, disco-pumped extravaganzas, and heartfelt stories of love and acceptance. Each movie still strikes a chord with audiences who remember them, and we hope our upgraded releases will bring in new generations of viewers as well. Harry's Shaving Company just released a new ad that casually includes a transgender man in the spot with narration that tells them you can shave to feel like you. The one-minute spot by the men's grooming brand, titled Shave or Don't, makes it clear Harry's has your back whether you shave or not. The narration reads, Back in the day, men couldn't always shave. Back in another day, men had to shave. Somewhere in between is a very nice thing, a choice. Now you can shave just a little, you can shave a lot, you can shave to stand out, you can shave to blend in. You can shave when you have a second, you can shave to save a few seconds. You can shave to feel like you. You can shave to feel like another you. You can shave because you're finally, finally home. Or you can shave maybe later. You'll notice in the spot, you can shave to feel like you line falls on the shot of a transgender man about to shave. The comments on the YouTube page were overwhelmingly positive, like, Thank you for including a trans man in your commercial, Harry's. I'll be switching over to support your business. And, I got chills when I saw the trans guy. Thanks. And, Why did I get teary? Classic me. Ha ha ha. Sobs. Thanks for including the LGBT community. Last year, the Shaving Giant announced their Shave with Pride campaign celebrating Pride Month. The rainbow-hued shave set featured an iridescent shave handle plus cartridges and shave gel with 100% of the profits going to LGBTQ causes. Additionally, Harry's is a proud sponsor of London Pride. The men's grooming brand also produced an acclaimed three-minute short film on the meaning of masculinity, featuring a young boy explaining how to be a man to an alien. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. Hey friends, if you want to catch up on LGBTQ news, listen to this. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Here's a little Matt Stern with Travel Around Your World.
taking advantage of it, and I'm not going to kiss and tell. We'll leave it at that. It was a nice weekend. <laughs> good for you, <laughs> How about yourself? Boy. How was yours? I'm good. It, it, it's quiet. My my husband, Michael, is down under right now with uh, one of his clients, Olivia Newton-John. She has a... She has the Olivia Newton-John Cancer Wellness and Research Center down in Melbourne, Australia. And once a year, they have two big gala uh, events to raise money for the wellness programs at the hospital, which are very important to Olivia, which is why she signed on to put her name on the hospital. You know, she's a huge uh, LGBT advocate and ally of ours, by the way. I remember being in, since I mentioned her name, I remember when I was in Australia last, it was about two or three years ago, and it was when marriage equality was really coming to a head here in the United States, and it was happening in Australia. And I was in the car. They were reaching out to major celebrities to endorse marriage equality, and I was in the car with her as she was drafting a statement to say that she supported marriage equality absolutely and love is love and blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm in the car while she's drafting this statement. Um, wow. Which is very cool. But she, uh, they're down there, so they have these two big gala fundraising. One's a wellness walk, kind of like a 5K walk, and then there's a big gala dinner. And so he's down there, so the house is quiet, just me and Bruno, the Wonder Dog, and the three puppies. And there it was nice. I, I like that. And it was I the Emmy Awards this it. weekend. It was the Emmy Awards. I'm a huge award show fan. So talk to me. Was it everything you hoped it would be? You know, it's always interesting when it comes to the awards because the the big ones all have their own flavor, don't you know? Like the, the Oscars right. are, the, are right. the classy ones. And the Golden Globes are just a party and a free-for-all. You never know if someone's going to get up drunk or something. And it's always exactly. a little wild. And the Emmys kind of fall in, in the middle of that. And, they, and uh, so we, we went into the Emmys last night with a lot of LGBT nominees and shows and subject matter uh, up for the voters. Um, Lily Tomlin was nominated for Grace and Frankie on Netflix. Titus Burgess for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, Kate McKinnon, if you watch Saturday Night Live, you know exactly who she is. She's one of the people who impersonates Hillary Clinton so brilliantly. Um, and Jeffrey Tambor was nominated for Transparent for his role as a transgender woman. Andre Brower of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, and we had a lot of wins. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor did win uh, his second Emmy now for playing Maura Fe- Pfefferman, a uh, transgender. And I heard he did a fantastic speech or something. He did some kind of he, great he did. He did. He thanked everyone. He was really nice and everything. And then he pivoted slightly, and I actually wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I had it because it was a great speech. He said, I'm not going to say this beautifully, but to you people out there, you producers, you network owners, you agents, you creative sparks, please give transgender talent a chance. Please give them their stories. Give them auditions. Give them their story. Do that. And also one more thing, and this was the really kind of cool sentence. He said, I would not be unhappy if I were the last cisgender male playing a female transgender on television. We have work to do. Oh, how awesome is that? Oh, my goodness. And and it really is because, you know, the – the, the great thing about Transparent, which is a tremendous series, if, if folks don't have Netflix, um, it is worth uh, uh, becoming a member of Netflix. I think it's like eight ninety nine a month now. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. I think when I've been on before, I pointed out the fact that they have a whole LGBT um, movie category. So there are a lot right. of independent movies out there where, where you can catch up on like mainstream LGBT 
LGBT movies, but also some some of those things that you see at film festivals are on Netflix in their LGBT category. And it's great to see the depth of work that's out there. And then sometimes, you know, when you're LGBT, to watch a movie that involves situations like us is, you know, a kind of comforting thing sometimes. I've seen some really right. great things on there, but, but also um, – uh, uh, Trans, uh, Transparent is on Amazon Prime, which is the other thing that I always promote. Um, I don't know if folks out there uh, are members of Amazon Prime on Amazon.com, but it's the best deal in the world, and I'll tell you why. I get nothing for this, by the way. I think it's $99 a year, but you get tons of movies for free to watch whenever you want. If you have like a, a, an Amazon Fire, which lets you watch stuff on, on your big screen TV, or if you want to watch on your laptop – or anything tons of movies you get their entire library of music to stream so like brand new songs you can stream for free and blah 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 and they're now doing these amazing original tv series like transparent so you can watch transparent i think they're in season three now jeffrey tambor is brilliant uh, as this transgender character who in the middle of, of her life realizes that she is uh really a woman and transitions and it's the the how the family handles it it's really beautifully done and uh also not only did jeffrey win but his the creator of the series um jill soloway uh won for directing one of the episodes and she said last night when she won her emmy uh how happy she was at being able to be part of a movement and for putting queer people at the center of television series that changed the world and she thanked the trans community for letting her be a part of their lives and to to bring this all out in the open. Because, as we all know, visibility is really the key to uh, everybody's uh, movement moving forward. Of course, forward, you yeah. Know? Right. You know, marriage equality happened because we started seeing more gays and lesbians on TV, and we had Will and Grace and other things and blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's, that helped the gay and lesbian movement a whole lot. And now we're seeing so much more about transgender uh, issues. And just to be able to see these beautiful series where they're not treated as – I'm going to use language that I don't like, but I know it's how some people might look at it. To, to be able to look at people and not label them strange or not look at them as, as if they're odd or anything. Right, sure. You know, last week uh, Whoopi Goldberg actually made a statement. She has a new television series on the Oxygen Network called Strut. And it's a reality series that showcases the only modeling agency that uses exclusively transgender models. And on the red carpet for the premiere for this TV series, she said, these people have been with us forever. This, is, this isn't just their community. It's our community. We're all in the same community. And uh, first of all, I think it's great that they're doing this TV series, but for someone like Whoopi Goldberg to be speaking out and giving a voice to the transgender right, community right amazing. now is awesome. Yeah. So, so Emmys. So Jeffrey Tambor won for a transgender role. Uh, his, his, the creator of the series, Jill Soloway, won for her direction. Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live won. She's openly lesbian. This was, I think, her first nomination. Uh, she won the Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for work on Saturday Night Live. That was really fabulous. And she and thanked an Hillary option, Clinton. Not to, exactly. Mm -hmm. not, just an option. I think, didn't I, I, I hear read somewhere that the way she portrayed her Ghostbusters role kind of made that role come out about 
the lesbian too, which wasn't necessarily written that way from what I heard. Do you Right. That, I've heard that the exact here? same thing, yes. Okay. People yeah, viewed I it agree. that way. And I I think that's awesome. Um uh and and I especially like that not only did Kate McKinnon uh thank Hillary Clinton for uh her giving her a character to play because a lot of the attention she's gotten is for that. Um but she also thanked Ellen DeGeneres for breaking down walls and barriers and everything, which was terrific, another out star. Right. And sure. I'm trying to think who oh also, a great moment, too, was Laverne Cox looked amazing on stage. Uh, she, she was there to present uh, the award for outstanding direction of a variety special. But when she came out, it was right after Jeffrey Tambor. And she uh, said straight into the camera, please give trans talent a shot. I would not be here today if somebody didn't give me a chance. Oh, that's now, great. great. What? Let me think. One more thing. Oh, uh, Sarah Paulson won Open Lesbian. Uh, she, you know, we, she's it's become a big fi- Hollywood story that she is dating Holland Taylor, and Holland wasn't there because Sarah Paulson attended with as, as her date. It wasn't really her date. Marsha Clark, the the lawyer, Sarah Paulson won for her work in the People versus O.J. Simpson, an American Crime Story, and she plays Marsha Clark, so she brought Marsha Clark. And it was a big night for that whole series, by the way, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, which was brought to the screen by Ryan Murphy, who's openly gay, and brought us gay right. and a whole lot of stories. So, I mean, it was a big night for LGBT talent, and um, I thought it was really a lot of fun. It was, it was a fun show. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel did well. Some of the comedy things didn't quite land for me, but, but I thought it was a really good show. One thing that did come up, though, I noticed, and, and I think it's always interesting how things like this can uh, come up um, because a lot of attention was being paid to Jeffrey Tambor's speech and uh, how, uh, well, how well he handled the whole thing. And his, his, uh, he was just really gracious and everything. Well, there's another story to this, though, because there's a, a movie coming out. It's kind of a B-movie starring Michelle okay. Rodriguez. Okay. And um, there's, this is kind of icky. Um, at least it is to me, and I get to use these words. I get to, to judge things if I want to. Um, there you go. It, it's kind of the story of, as I, as I understand it, like someone who undergoes a forced sex reassignment operation is the subject of the movie. And I guess she's okay. starring in it. And so this sounds very exploitive to me of transgender yeah. people. And in other words, somehow this this character is is forced into a sex change operation, a sex reassignment. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be handled very – I haven't seen the film. But it doesn't sound like it's going to be handled very artfully. And even worse, when Michelle Rodriguez was asked about it, she kind of blew reporters off when they asked her about the controversy about it or if people uh, think that this isn't really handling things well. Um, she just kind of blew people off and said, oh, people can get over it. Ooh, that is kind of icky. I don't like that. That's a good word. So when you, when you balance, you know, the fact of the matter is we do want more transgender actors playing these roles. Oh, and obviously Michelle Rodriguez is bisexual, but she's not transgender, and this is turning into something of a transgender role, obviously. So on one hand, you've got Jeffrey Tambor, who's cisgender, and he 
um, he understands that there's an issue, and he's at least acknowledging that more transgender people should be offered auditions and roles. And then on the other hand, you've got Michelle Rodriguez kind of blowing people off saying, oh, people can get over it. It's not controversial, big deal, whatever. It just goes to show you how differently people can handle a delicate situation. And I think Jeffrey comes out the class act in this one. Yeah, it sounds like definitely. Wow. So that that was the thing for me. Now, the one other thing I wanted to talk on – just LGBT pop culture is um, last time I was on, I was talking about the, the logo TV television, television series, finding Prince charming. Uh, right. I, I haven't caught up with it just yet, but as you know, there was some kind of behind the scenes gossip and debacle going on before it even aired, because it turns out that the, the bachelor figure, the, the Prince charming, the guy, uh, Robert Sepulveda jr that they're all vying for his attention. It turned out that he had had a bit of a history as a sex worker when he was younger and some uh, sex videos had been found on the internet. Well, now some of the contestants have come forward. They were speaking with the rap, the, the gossip website uh-huh. about it. And they're not so happy about this either because Logo came out and said, we didn't know about his history as a sex worker until we were in the middle of of production. But uh, two of those contestants have come forward and said, as soon as he left the house, he he told the rat, as soon as I left the house and got my phone back after the duration of the shoot, I Googled Robert Sepulveda and the word sex tape, and there it was. I mean, you didn't even have to scroll down. Also, someone else said um, that they believed that Logo wanted to churn up drama to get attention, to try and get the ratings going on. And uh, another uh, competitor said that they recognized him on site the minute they saw him, and they said there's no way that they didn't – that Logo didn't know because they went through three weeks of background checks. They had three days of, like, uh, intensive interviews and things. And so all of these candidates, uh, these competitors are coming out saying, there's no way that Logo didn't know. And so one guy even said, you know, now I have to explain to my mother, you know, that there are these sex videos of this guy that I was, I'm competing for his attention. How do you explain that to your mother? So it's just more kind of turmoil behind the scenes for Finding Prince Charming. I I wonder if this is going to go on the whole season. I don't know. Uh, Goodness. So much drama. It's just a... I did actually end up seeing it, and it's just exactly like the other Bachelor shows. It's the same stupid drama that's in those two. So uh, you kind of you think that we might be above it, but no, we're just like everybody else. Good old, our good old LGBT <laughs> folks. <you know? laughs> what it's so, I mean, on one hand, it, it's good to show that we're just like everybody else. On the other, I just want to go. Can we come up with some quality programming for LGBT people? Right. Exactly. Well, we have a whole new season starting tonight, I think, is when TV is really starting to kick into gear with second season stuff. So hopefully we're going to have some reports from you all season long on some representation of LGBT out there in the new season. But I'm excited to look forward to it. And, of course, I read the Randy report every day. How do you say his name? Oh, I got to look it up. Um, You did a singer the other day that I just became mesmerized with. It just has a new video out. Oh, uh, this is Rabel. 
Rabel, that's it. Okay. Spelled for for the listeners, W R A B E L. I was actually going to send you 60 seconds of his new song. It's my new favorite song. Ray, the music video just came out. This is a guy called Rabel. He goes by his, his, just his last name. Uh, the song is called Eleven Blocks, and I think he's awesome. It's now at the top of my playlist uh, wherever I go right now. Uh, some people may know him from his song, Ten Feet Tall. He had written the song, and big, huge DJ Afrojack uh, back in 2014 took his song, Ten Feet Tall, and it was used in a Super Bowl commercial for Bud Light. And now the video for that song, for Ten Feet Tall, has over 65 million views to date. And so his new song is 11 Blocks. It's very personal. If you go to therandyreport.com, I wrote about the story behind it, and and it's actually apparently someone he used to date literally lived 11 blocks away. They still do, so it kind of weighs on him, the relationship. So it's a great, great song. I I really like it. If you don't know the artist, Rabel, W-R-A-B-E-L. All right, guys, you have to go listen to it. It's now my new favorite song. Thank you so much, Randy, for catching me on to it. Guys, we got to go because I have this pre-taped interview with uh, the amazing Gatano Jones. He did a great movie for weekend that I fell in love with way back in the day, LGBT film. He did a pre-taped interview a couple weeks ago because he has to pick up his daughter at this time every day. We're going to go ahead and go directly into that. I cut out any music from that. Randy, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to see you on the first Monday in October. Anything to part us with here while I have you on the line? Ah, uh, gosh, I think I'm talking. My brain might be empty now. <laughs> well, but there's we love having more. you Go on. To- Please check out therandyreport.com, the That's blog. Right. He has a radio show at least once a week. You've been doing some great shows on there. Thank you so much, Randy. We're going to go directly into the Jones interview. Randy, stay on the line. You're listening to the Left of Straight show. We'll be back as soon as the interview's over here. Welcome to Astro Kiki Radio. We are the e-news of astrology. Today, we'll be diving into the cosmic guidance from the stars, celebrities, and entertainment lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, and let's see what the universe has in store. Hello, all of my radiant cosmic stars out there joining us today for Astro Kiki Radio. My name is Kyle Thomas, and I am a pop culture astrologer, and we have an excellent show planned for you today. We are going to be talking about all of the craziest Hollywood news that is happening this week, as well as an astrological forecast, and then also diving into our incredible guest today. I've had the biggest online crush on him. He's a Capricorn (laughs) King. His name is Josh Conco, and he is extremely talented and charming, so we're excited to jump into all of his stars and everything he would like to know. My name's Aaron. I'm an artist and astro coach, and I'm ready to talk some astrology and some celebrities. Hey, everyone. Sam Davidson here. I am a red carpet reporter, celeb news junkie. I know everything that is going on in Hollywood, even if I don't want to. There's some stories where I'm just like TMI people, but we're going to be talking about all that today. And of course, thank you so much for being here, Josh. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. I'm so excited. So Josh is a, obviously he lives in Los Angeles, and he's a screenwriter and tarot reader. 
But he also has written for two of my favorite shows, which are a series of unfortunate events and the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Yay! Whoa, who doesn't love Sabrina? It has Dumb been... Dumb people. Seriously. I mean, it has taken off like crazy in the past year. That show has, I'm sure, completely changed your yeah, career. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. I'm loving every minute of it. Yep. Well, I can't wait to dive deeper into all of that. But, you know, you also have so many other things going on like short films, which premiered at Tribeca Film Festival, and you've had, like, awards, writing screenplays, so you really are very focused on your career. Yeah, I'm trying to have a career here in Hollywood. It's, it's working out so pretty good so far, but, you know, you never, never can tell. Hell yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to see somebody flourish in this industry, and we're going to talk about all of that, but first let's get into our weekly forecast from Aaron and Kyle. Absolutely. So we have some big events that are coming this coming week. Uh, we were actually going through one of them today, which is uh, the retrograde of Pluto. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we have Saturn going retrograde as well. So, Aaron, tell us all about what are we feeling about this. So, Pluto retrograde uh, and Saturn retrograde, uh, they're very close together in Capricorn. They haven't been together in Capricorn in several hundred years. Um, going through a huge redefinition of society on a collective level, also internally as well. Pluto has to do with transformation, so we're going to be going through a deep inner transformation. Um, There'll be like a death of sorts um, in our lives through this retrograde in order for us to get to the next step in Capricorn. But Pluto's been in Capricorn since 2008, so this will actually be a little more subtle because we're already so familiar with this energy. This is I don't even know how many years that is, almost 10 okay. years of it retrograde, over 10 years of it okay. retrograding in Capricorn. So we're, it's, we're already conditioned to this energy. But Pluto and Saturn so close together, we're completely redefining who we are on a very structural basis level. Um, and uh, When you say death, though, because just I know that people get very scared by that word, and astrologically, death doesn't mean death. what we think it means. Well, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like, like the Terra, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like a phoenix. It's about rebirth. And actually... If you could talk to us a little about about yeah. that, because you know that kind of symbol. Yeah, I mean, death, in the, it's the same in the tarot. Death scares people, but it doesn't usually mean a literal death. It means that one thing ends so that something else can begin. It's a bit like yeah. burning the crops so that they can regrow. Yeah. And, and Pluto is one Love of the it. ruling planets of Scorpio, which Scorpio has multiple totems outside of the scorpion the final one being a phoenix. And Saturn is my ruling planet, right? Yes, it's That's home. That toughie, it's isn't a toughie. It? Um, so think of it like, a, like kind of like a tower moment. Yeah, is well, what we're experiencing. I mean, I think the thing about like you know with Saturn going retrograde, it's it's actually all of this you know rebirth that we're going to be going through. We're, we're we are restructuring our lives, but we want to do that in an internal way so that we can bring in more abundance in other ways. Yes, I mean look at what just happened earlier this uh, last week with um, Notre Dame. That was all uh, this energy right. along with the Grand Fire Trine. It's literally the tower. It was literally the mm-hmm. tower. Um, Pluto, the South Node is also conjuncting Pluto and Saturn. This hasn't happened in so long. We're experiencing this major shift. Mm-hmm. Um, the next next year, 2020 as well, is going to really double down on this, especially with Jupiter in Capricorn as well, um, which hasn't happened since 1284. That sounds good, Jupiter in Capricorn. It, I, mean, I don't know anything. I'm so excited to tell you all about that. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be good. It's gonna be I good. know it's enough to change. know that that's good for me. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of powerful change. Yeah. No, I mean, and for you as well, too, just having to go through Sagittarius, it's huge for you as yeah. well because you have some Sagittarius planets. Yeah. Totally. Um, well, and one thing that, you know, I would like to kind of discuss is that when a planet is direct, we feel its energy more potently. So with Venus, when it's direct, we have more opportunities for love and beauty and art. When Saturn is direct, we are focusing on the discipline in our lives and building the structures. However, 
when these planets go retrograde, we actually can take a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So we can actually be less hard on ourselves. We yeah. can be, you know, less focused on all of the things that are taking us, you know, to our ultimate goals and allow us to kind of have this relaxing moment yeah. in between. I, I would say when they're direct, think of it like you're constantly moving forward. So when the retrograde motion happens, you can actually sit back and reflect and actually start to implement what that planet and, and the energy is signifying over the course of the retrograde so that when it comes direct and then it leaves shadow period later in the year, you'll have the tangible results for all the inner work that you'll be doing. So okay. as it, so Jupiter retrograded a few weeks ago, and so we've all been expanding since it entered Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. And now, until it goes direct in Leo season and then leaves shadow in Scorpio season, we're um, cultivating and, and, and nurturing all of those Th things we initiated so that they can grow and that we can use them for the next 12 years before the cycle of, of Jupiter and Sagittarius renews itself. So it'll be growing. Think of it like planting a seed. You know, we, the seeds have been planted. Now we're doing some, some basic gardening on it, and then it will grow over time until the, we harvest in 12 years. But we'll see some amazing results before then. But. Totally. One you know, sort of meditation that I would kind of have people think about with, with these two coming mm -hmm. retrogrades is how can you transform your life to ultimately live a, a more fulfilling path. So, you know, whether that's, you know, looking at how you want to transform your career or in your personal relationships or, you know, even your identity and allowing you to have this rebirth phoenix moment and, you know, really going there and doing that internal work so then you can finally flourish again. Yeah. Well, and, and, and going off what you said about relationships too, um, Pluto and Saturn meeting, the last time they met was in the early 80s in Libra. So we're closing a 30-plus year cycle of how okay. relationships have been viewed, um, and, and especially because at the time Saturn is exalted in Libra, mm -hmm. um, and now Saturn's home, Pluto's in, in Capricorn, where Pluto hasn't been in Capricorn since the, the American Revolution back Jeez. in the 1700s. So we're, we're having a big review. Last year when Pluto retrograded, Pluto retrograded at the exact degree that it was at during the Boston Tea Party. And you've seen how things with taxes have shifted. And, wow, and we're starting really to really question and push back against the, the structures and the governments that are holding our lives. Great. Also, if you guys ever have any questions that you'd like us to talk about, just feel free to reach out to us online yeah. on Instagram or Gmail or whatever. We have that information included yeah. in the bio so i think that kind of covers yeah. our forecast for now and we will now jump on into one of our favorite segments all of our pop culture hollywood news Yes, we have some really exciting, interesting uh, stories this week that I'm very much a fan of. First and foremost, Taylor Swift. If you guys have been following Taylor Swift, if you are a Swifty, like I know me and Kyle are very <laughs> we, much. We do have, you know, wine parties where we are just dancing to Taylor Swift. Yeah, we <laughs> dance like maniacs in this apartment, um, <laughs> blasting Taylor Swift. So for the past few weeks, she has been teasing her fans the date 426. She's completely done a rehaul of her Instagram. There's a lot of pastel colors now. There's like a photo with um, P. 
pink diamonds and you know her nails are done in very bright colors as we all know her last album reputation was kind of like dark and sinister and people are saying that she's giving a speak now um vibe which was her eh, i want to say maybe her third or fourth album it was one of her earlier albums um at the iHeart Music Awards, though, last month, she was already starting to tease little things and basically told all of her fans that she loves them, but they're kind of crazy, <laughs> and that um, there's nothing coming, but she really appreciates their wild imaginations. However, it is now that she is, there's like a literal countdown to 426. Also, uh, Sean Mendez just wrote a piece on her for uh, Time 100, which is the most influential people issue and all these different celebrities wrote about each other and he wrote about her and just said the most beautiful like glowing review of her and it all kind of came out around the same time that this 426 countdown started happening so my question for you boys is what does 426 mean for taylor swift um so it's gonna be a huge thing for her um there's a lot. There's a lot. A lot happening. It actually, speaks to what we were just talking about in the forecast. Mm-hmm. Saturn is retrograding. Um, in her first house of identity. In her first house of identity, not only on on that she is going through her Saturn return. Um, Saturn goes direct on September 18th, exactly on her natal Saturn. I love it. And then will leave shadow December 25th, um, just after her birthday. Um, and she that's basically. It, it, in astrology, your Saturn return is when you become an official adult. You're setting the foundation for the next 30 years of your life, the structures that you'll adhere to. Um, and with it, where Saturn is retrograding, it's retrograding opposite the North Node. It'll be exactly conjunct the South Node. North, no, no, North Node is your sole direction. In her natal chart, um, it's conjunct her part of fortune um, and her, I believe, her Jupiter as well. So her Jupiter is also in Cancer. So and her Moon. So, uh, yeah, and her Moon. So there's a, she has a lot of Cancer energy, and and so with it in, in Capricorn, there's a lot of balance and redefinition that's going to be happening for her, um, especially on an internal level, especially within relationships and how she's relating to the public. Well, specifically, one thing with that with Saturn, you know, the planet of you know long-term roots and longevity and structure. Going backwards, she is in a process right now of overcoming her fears of self-expression and how she relates to people, and this is going to continue until 2022. Um, She's also eliminating things in relationships and and trying to redefine herself. And so another area that I kind of wanted to talk about is how there's so much on this day specifically, on 426, literally at 6.18 a.m., Venus is going to be, or her natal Venus is going to be conjunct the moon. So she is actually going to be trying to perceive herself on this day, launching into a more, you know, aesthetic way that's sensitive, sensual. Venus is all about beauty and feminine energy. And so when, you know, as she's launching this project, that is how she's going to want it to be perceived. It's very, it's soft, it's flowy, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, romantic, and it's, it's filled with love. And, you know, going from what you were saying before about how her last album was darker and sinister, this is very, you know, the opposite of that. And and returning to some of the roots that I think that she originally had, you know, some ideas of how she, you know, what it was to be, you know, a teenager, and now she's a woman. It's really interesting. I felt like her, I like her last album, but I felt like it was a little insincere. It felt like she was trying on a personality. So it would be great to see her kind of come into herself 
and, and create an identity that's true and genuine to her and not in relationship to someone else like a man because she's mm-hmm. had a long history of that too. Totally. So many of her songs, yeah. yeah. Well, have you, did you look at her, uh, the Uranus is opposing her midheaven? Did I did that? not see that. I was actually. I also want to talk about. If you want to talk about that, then I can talk about the yeah, Aries yeah. stellium. Totally, totally. So the thing that I think is going to be really interesting is that when I was looking at her chart, the longest term energy that's that's really affecting her right now is Uranus, the planet of revolution. You know, uh, breaking chains and and creating uh, all of this this you know evolution in her life is directly opposite her midheaven. The midheaven, for anyone that isn't very familiar with astrology. Is, is your highest point in life. It is your public face, your persona, the way that you relate to people, and also usually represents your career. So this, with, with Uranus being opposite of her career, it represents that she wants to shake off all of those chains of being associated with a man. She wants to per- be perceived in a more authentic light yeah. to her soul direction. And also, the thing I think this is really in- interesting about this is that she's likely going to be moving towards a more humanitarian and revolutionary energy in her art yeah. and in her public persona, her which is so cool. Yeah, like you know, sort of Angelina Jolie vibe. Yeah, yeah, you know, and the thing about it, like, I just saw this online, how she was actually, she donated a bunch to, what was it, an LGBT organization? Mm. Well, she's always been a huge philanthropist. Um, for I mean for years and she does things as small as if one of her biggest fans um, recently got into a car accident and was in the mm-hmm. hospital literally sent her a handwritten card and, and flowers she does those things all the time well, and especially with all the energy happening in Capricorn with the eclipses happening in Capricorn Cancer which is her rising and her moon mm-hmm. just every six months of the next next like, year and a half mm-hmm. is just going to be huge Moments of shifting for her um, at the on on the twenty sixth as well. I wonder if she's going. I I could see her getting engaged. She could get with, engaged. This, with this energy in the next like, year and a half because with with all of that moving into her into her ascendant. Well, well yeah, I mean, especially when she has her Jupiter, um, which is indicative of the husband, I think, as well as um, her part of fortune in Cancer as well. Well, so is the, I mean, so is the Sun. Sun is as well, yeah. We yeah. want that for her. She's had a, a bad run with dudes. Yeah. You know, she's had some really shitty ones. Well, <laughs> speak, speaking to that, um, there's on, next on Friday when with her announcement, there's a lot of planets and energies in Aries, which was Sagittarius, fifth house of yes, love and romance. Totally. For her, so that's her solar chart. For her natal chart, it's her third house of communication and and, and everything. So she's going to have a message that she's going to put out there. But from her lunar chart as well, it's her tenth house of career and public standing. So from her emotional self, um, and as a Cancer Moon. The cancer rules the moon, so she she's definitely very in touch with her emotional body and, and and who she is internally. So for her internally, this is a huge moment of putting something major out there um, with with the spotlight on her. Well, and the thing that like going back to what I was saying before though is like literally at six eighteen a.m. for her, and that's yeah. that's Pacific time. Yeah. This is when a lot of this energy is going to crescendo for her. Crescendo. So it's going to be very very like just very momentous, and and so, so it's. it's I'm excited for her. The big question is, I mean, oh, is she word. working with like an astrologer? I when I was looking Happy, at it, I literally right? wrote I literally wrote in my notes, if Taylor's not working with an astrologer, then she's just completely in sync with the rhythms of the of the solar system. Well, one thing that I have noticed about celebrities in general is that even the ones that I don't think are actually, you know, working with an astrologer, I think when you reach a certain level of power and influence, all of the thought and vibrations are actually working and redirecting yeah. to you. And Josh, I'd actually like to kind of talk to you a little bit about magic and energy, if you uh-huh. could kind of dive into that. Do you, what do you think about that? 
Well, I mean, for me, magic is the is the practice of externalizing one's will, basically. So you use words or handcrafts or things like that to make your will manifest in the world. I mean, that's how I sort of view it. Totally. So, you know, do you think some people are just kind of naturally gifted at that? Or when you reach a certain level of success, does it just kind of, you know, is it working through you almost divinely or around you? Like, how would that... I think that you can hit your stride and, and at which point, you know, the universe is sort of working on your behalf. I don't yeah. think that people are naturally better at it than other people. I think it's a, it's it's a, a, choice. a practice. It's a practice. And, and yeah. it's, it's cultivating consciousness and awareness and, and, mm-hmm. and taking inspired action to to follow those thoughts and those impulses of, oh, I, I, could, I could achieve this, and actually following through. It's a, I think the big, big thing, I think with her having a sad son, but that all that uh, cancer energy, or, or Capricorn energy right mm-hmm. after the rising, and her natal Saturn um, in Capricorn, plus she was born in the generation with Uranus and Neptune there as well, having that follow through. And I think her Mercury is also in Capricorn. Yeah, so her, her mind is also that of Capricorn. So she can implement and follow through and, and have a plan to build those on those dreams of her solar expression. I think everybody's felt that before, yeah. famous or otherwise, when you, you just feel like you're just going, all your cylinders are buzzing and everything's working out your way and you're yeah. just in stride with the universe. Yeah. I mean, that happens for everybody. For everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just a matter of knowing that you're capable and, and, and believing in yourself and, and knowing that anything is possible um, and going for it, you know, every celebrity, they all went for it. They all, they didn't let any of their circumstances hold them back. And if you look at, I love studying uh, celebrity charts. And one thing you can see is how they master their natal energy so strongly and use it to their advantage. Um, and again, whether they're consciously aware it's their astrology or not, they're doing it. Do you guys think that there are people who are born to be famous based on their charts, or is that not a thing? I'm sure. I'm sure there's definitely like a a, a presence, a, um, a like a a weight to it in their chart. Yeah. So actually, there are certain things that I have been studying about placements, particularly with the midheaven and the ascendant, mm-hmm. and the way that there's interactions that do happen. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, there are certain placements that do dictate that you have more of an ability to to do that, mm-hmm. um, whereas some people just, you're, you're fighting, if you're fighting for fame when you're supposed to be fighting for humanity, mm-hmm. you know, you're conflict. not, yeah, you're not, yeah. you know, channeling your true soul direction. Well, and, and the funny thing is, like, but if, you, if they actually went to fight for humanity, like I was like, example, they would actually find that fame that they crave. Exactly. Right. If you, you have to follow the passion and the rest will come. Fame, money, all of that is a byproduct of the passion and the work that you're putting forward. So if you look at the most successful, successful people, mm-hmm. um, they were following what they felt called to do, and all, all of the fame came. And again, there. that's like channeling energy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. magic. That's, 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 a, that's what we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. And I know that um, me and you, Aaron, spoke briefly about this before the show, but Sean Mendez... His, his energy energy in her life is pretty significant, too. Yeah, his Mars and Venus are conjunct in Cancer, um, right by her part of fortune. I think I think you mentioned he's, he wrote a song for her recently. I Well, I, he might have. I know she, they've written songs for each other. He's opened for her in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, they've really lifted each other up as far. Well, she's lifted him up, but... Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and for him, he's a Leo sun with an Aquarius moon, so dealing with fire fire energy and, and Aquarius and Sagittarius is a, is a very beautiful flowing energy as well um, so they definitely support each other and again having his Mars and, and Venus aspecting her Jupiter part of fortune um, and all of her stellium in, in uh, Capricorn 
in, in her relationship sector, in her relationship, how her seventh house of relationship is, is a huge pull for each for them, mm-hmm. and they can develop and grow together. Well, stay on the lookout for 426. We can't wait to see what it is. I'm sure in our next episode we will at least uh, mention what the big reveal was, whether it was an album, a single, what have you. Um, next, we have some legal trouble for none other than Miss Cardi B, which is not a huge surprise, <laughs> but that's okay. She looks really good doing it. I, I love seeing her court appearance outfit. So for those that don't know, uh, back on August 29th of 2018, Cardi B was involved in a brawl at a strip club in New York. And according to bartenders, Cardi ordered her crew to beat up a couple of strippers named Batty G and Jade after rumors spread that one of them had been involved with her husband, Offset. And so then, apparently, Cardi was throwing chairs and bottles. Her people were beating them up. It was really ugly. And this is a photo that we see. um, She was walking out of the strip club, literally, with a huge, big welt on her forehead and a smile on her face like crazy she's like I don't care what I just did she just looked so um, satisfied with whatever she had done and but then on October 1st of 2018 she turned herself into NYPD and this past week Cardi appeared before a judge at um, the Queen's Criminal Court dressed in all white and she rejected the plea deal that was being offered to her and it would have had her just plead for guilty for misdemeanor assault in the third degree. I mean, I don't think there's that huge of consequences for that. I don't know, but she's refusing to take the plea deal, and um, now it'll be going to trial, and her next court date is on May 31st of this year. And during this entire time, her and Offset have, like, broken up, got back together. I think they are currently together right now, but, yeah, what is going on with Cardi B? Were they, were they together in 2017? Yes. I believe so, yeah. So, yeah, so there's a lot of, this has to do, this, as I was looking into this, there's a lot of things aspecting uh, in, in relation to these past two Libra full moons as well. She's mm-hmm. a Libra with an Aries moon. She was born out of full moon. Uh, the, the, assu- the alleged assault, or I guess it's not alleged, she, I guess admitted that she did it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not it's alleged. A fact, it's a fact. <laughs> Which, by the way, I love Cardi B, but like, do your own fighting. That's so shitty. Yeah. Right? Um, so, during the fight, she was having her lunar return with Mercury in Leo trining um, her moon, the moon in Aries. Um, Chiron was retrograding opposite her Jupiter, Jupiter being the law, Chiron being pain, spiritual karma. Uh, the sun was also in aspect to her natal Mercury in, in uh, uh, Scorpio. And then uh, Saturn was squaring her, her natal Jupiter as well um, when it was retrograding. Uh, there was a grand earth triumph between the sun and Uranus and Mars had just went direct. Um, and so I, I, going back through, back to 2017, there was a Venus retrograde um, where I think a lot of relationships started to get triggered, especially as we have just finished through these uh, past two Libra full moons. Um, so during the Mars retrograde last year, probably a lot came up for her in, in the... Um, in this development of, of her relationship. So on the night of it, she was having her lunar return and it was, she was feeling fiery. She was feeling aggressive. Um, but it was, so yeah, but Kyle, you, you just jump in for a minute. Wanna... Yeah, so I mean, one thing that I really want to focus, focus it on is May 31st because that's a very important date with her, her next movement forward. 
So, you know, obviously we can look at all the things in the past and really see how, like, what has led to it, but I, I'm really interested in seeing where it's going to go now. Yeah. So, on May 31st, because she's a Libra, the Sun, which rules her vitality, fo focus, and energy, and Mercury, which is communications and nego negotiations, will be in her ninth house. The ninth house rules judges, legalities, and the law. So, all of her attention is going to be here at this point That's in time. That's so crazy. I know. Isn't that nuts? And then, the other thing I noticed is that Mars will be in the her 10th house of career achievement, and so she's going to be feeling very aggressive and fiery when it comes to her public persona on this date. She's either going to be blazing a trail to move forward or feeling intense vibrations of frustration at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Then, though, the big thing of, of most importance, though, is the way that the planets are going to be set up. Mercury ruling communications is going to be uh, opposing Jupiter, the, the planet of luck, so we have an opposition between two areas of her chart, which would be communications and legalities. So knowing that this energy is happening directly on May 31st, this can operate for two ways. So it's either going to be really helpful to her if she's working with the best professionals and follows their lead, because she's going to have luck on her side. Mm -hmm. If she is too aggressive and doesn't, she's going to skip over the details and lose, and then literally it's going to create embarrassment for her. Oof. On May 31st, too, yeah. there's, Venus will be exactly opposite her natal Venus in Scorpio, um, which is, Scorpio has to do with uncovering secrets. Um, Venus has to, having to do with relating. Um, we're going to be right, in the, right before the Gemini new moon. Um, so the moon will be in Taurus, dark, right, before, right approaching mm -hmm. the new moon. Uh, Venus, which is in opposition to her natal Venus, so again, that polarity... Um, of, of what is valued versus the truth, uncovering secrets, hidden, in, 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 hidden agendas. Venus will be trining Saturn retrograde exactly as well that day. So, um, you know, the sternness of reality, um, having to take responsibility. Um, Jupiter ret will be retrograding over her, her natal north node. Um, and Venus will also be making an odd angle called an inconjunct to Jupiter as well, also the law. Um, and, and part of what triggered the this whole issue back in 2018 was aspects to her Jupiter. The first Libra full moon this year on March 20th was exactly conjunct her natal Jupiter with Chiron at the exact location it was at on August 29th um, in Aries, but it was direct now. So um, that triggering kind of re-initiated -initi everything that has come about this, this uh last few weeks. Well, and one thing that I really want to emphasize and hopefully teach people is that astrology shows us what circumstances and energy we are working with at that point in time. We always have a choice to see how we're going to use that energy. So, you know, as I was saying is, you know, when we have a positive aspect, well, I mean, everything, you know, it really just look, it depends on how you look at it. Even a challenging thing can lead to something better if you work through it and process it. So, you know, my advice, honestly, to her and her team would be to sit your ass down and, you know, let the professionals handle it. Yeah. Otherwise, you are going to fuck yourself over. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, hire Kyle Thomas, too. Hide my reader on my website. Um, <laughs> well, also on May 31st, I don't know if I mentioned this, but she'll be approaching her Mars return. Oh, no, that's so bad, though. She's yeah. going to be so angry. She's going to be very because it's oh, right man. in... Think of it like it's a 12th house, basically, for her oh, Mars. Man. So she's really going to have to watch herself 
Um, Venus and Juno will be in harmony, though, and they've been challenging through all of these full moons, and they relate back to the re they both retrograded in Libra season when she turned herself in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, with her, she turned herself in with, with Venus retrograding, Juno retrograding. Mars was leaving shadow at that time from its retrograde. Um, so there's a lot of compounding things, but it, overall there is support for Like, it can go either way. But it really depends it, on what it, she... Her does. actions. Yeah. Her, yeah. Act, her actions are going to make her, are gonna make her break her well, in she's there. a hothead, so it sounds like she's, she's in danger. Yeah. I understand now. I mean, I'm <laughs> you a Libra. Danger, girl. <laughs> exactly. I'm a Libra, too. It's like, don't mess with us, you guys. We can be sweet yeah. and try to have balance, but if you push us off our scale, mm -hmm. damn. Well, and, and especially... You know, her being born at a full moon with her moon in Aries, Libra's being about relationship and equilibrium, and Aries being fiery and aggressive, and, and she set off, and especially, you know, this having to do with uh, rumors of, of, or I guess people just being with her, her man, like that's, that's what about set Libra off. compatibility between her and Offset? He's also the father to to her child. Do we? I didn't look up. Year. I actually didn't. I didn't okay. Have what does it mean that someone is born on a full moon? It, you were also born on the yeah, moon. That's yeah, that's It just means that your sun and moon are opposite. So okay. uh, being a Capricorn, your moon is in, in Cancer. I right. was also born at a full moon, mm. um, she, as was so she. Just well, off the cuff, but though. Witchy, it's, too. Um, yeah. me, he was birth of witches. He is uh, December 14th, 1991. So he's, he's a, a Sagittarius. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great, com great combo for an Aries, moon, Libra, sun. And we don't know her rising, but, uh, you know, yeah. That's a that's a good that's why there's such love there. Aries and Sag have this dynamic that, you know, they, they they're fiery, they're heated, they're well. Even I mean, one thing that I would I would even just be looking at like the sun signs that like with her being a Libra and then him being a Sag, we have you know that that kind of you know fiery drama. Like they're gonna like that passion. Yeah. And they're gonna like to fight. It's just gonna be the way that it is. Okay. Well, I guess we'll um, get back to you guys around May 31st. See what's going <laughs> on there. Next, we're going to talk about a story that has been really hot in the news the past month, which is the college admission scandal. So, Lori Laughlin, a.k.a. Aunt Becky from Fuller House and Full House, she and her husband, um, Massimo, I have been, I had to say his name, last name for work yesterday, and my camera guy was like, he was like trying to explain to me, and I just, <laughs> it's one of those names, it's just, I can't do it. Um, Gio, sorry, it, it's Italian. Do you know how to say it? Can I see this? Yeah. Gia, it's on the top. Uh, Giannulli? Yes, okay. Giannulli, Massimo Giannulli, Giannulli. Yes, that's what I think it is. Massimo Giannulli. So that is Lori Laughlin's husband, and he, you know him as like a big fashion designer, very, very rich man. Um, so if you have been living under a rock and don't know what the college admissions scandal is, Lori and her husband, along with other actors like Felicity Huffman, who you know from Desperate Housewives, all got into huge trouble for being part of this huge college admission scam, uh, doing things that were illegal to get their kids into the school they desired. So with Lori's kids, she wanted to get them into USC. Fight on. I guess I'm not a super proud Trojan at the moment, um, but just got to <laughs> give a shout out to my school. And her two daughters are kind of like in my opinion, the millennial um, nightmare. At least, <laughs> at least one of them is um, Jade. Olivia, Olivia Jade. That's is, such a basic name, too. Like, I know. Ugh, and she didn't, even, like, she didn't even want to go to school. She's a YouTuber. And she yeah. 
didn't even want to go, but the, the other... The millennial. By the yeah. way, Lori Loughlin paid like 500000 for her kids, and Felicity Huffman paid 15000 So how dumb are yeah. <laughs> the first well, set of kids? The, the difference is in what they did. What Felicity did was, in my opinion, like really almost worse, not because of the money, but she paid someone to actually adjust her kids' SAT score. Yeah, you know what? I actually, I have some tea. I'm friends with um, Felicity Huffman's former assistant. Oh, wow. Who told me that... Um, Felicity Huffman's kid didn't know that it was happening. Mm-hmm. And then it's like her senior year and she's applying to colleges. So now every college that she was applying fuck. for has now rejected her because of Felicity Huffman. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. imagine being that kid? It totally sucks. And the thing is with Lori Laughlin's kids, they're really being just, just put like going through a really hard time right now because now um, since Lori and her husband have rejected the plea deal, Felicity Huffman took the plea deal. She's, you know, I'm sorry. Lori and Massimo are not sorry for their actions. They're not taking a plea deal. And so all of the parents that weren't accepting plea deals, their kids, a lot of them, got sent really, really aggressive letters by the government saying that you need to tell your parents to accept this plea deal or else your life could be ruined. Because one of their daughters... um, Let's see. It's Olivia Jade and Isabella. Isabella could have been at the age of 18 when this entire plan was constructed. Like they had mm. them take fake photos um, in front of a crew, like machine, like a, and like like they were crew athletes. And so the kids obviously knew that like their parent, like mom, dad, why are we taking these weird photos? But now, um, yeah, one of them could actually be in big trouble, and she's deleted her Instagram. It's a whole hot mess. They've both dropped out of USC. So. What, what's what been going on here? Well, the thing that I, I want to focus on is Saturn for them specifically. Did you check that out, too? Go for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just basics here. So Lori's a Leo. Olivia Libra. Okay. So, all right. Basically, for her specifically, with Saturn as the planet of, like, hardship and difficulty, with it being in her fourth house of family affairs and mother it shows that her, her mother is being very stern, controlling, and very demanding to her, specifically. So, like, that domination energy yeah. is really, really effective for her. Um, also, with uh, Lori being a Leo, so Uranus is the planet of transformation. So, specifically, it has entered Taurus, which rules her house of fame and public attention. And also, right now, it is square her son, meaning that she's going through unpredictable behavior specifically in relation yeah. to the public. Like, it's literally, she if she goes into arguments at this point in time with this very, very shocking energy, she's literally going to lose. She's going to well, lose. Taurus season is going to highlight a lot yeah. in, in this for them because Lori's natal Jupiter is in Taurus. Olivia, Saturn, and Jupiter are in Taurus. And Isabella's Saturn is in uh, Taurus as well. So highlighting this legal thing it's a, it's a trait it's a it's a that's something they've inherited from their mother the taurus in in uh, uh jupiter taurus um for Lori as well like mercury just retrograded over her moon square her mars and, and venus and gemini yeah so so the mercury retrograde has brought this light Lori's also having her nodal return in cancer so oh, really yeah so this, the eclipses are are going to be nailing Lori and and this is, you know, a, yeah. a 19 year cycle of, of no Nin- return. Okay, Do you guys well, think that they'll serve time at all? They could. They could. So, what I've read and the, all the research I've done for work and everything is because they didn't accept this plea deal, 
they, her and her husband could legitimately face up to 40 years in prison. In the writer's room, I, I, we were talking about it, and I was the only one who felt like they should go to jail. And I was surprised by that. There's a room full of 10 people. And it just made me think of like our allegiance to money and celebrity in this country. It was like yeah. they deserve to go to jail more than someone who's just dealt pot and is in jail. You know what I mean? Oh, like, 100%. And I think that speaks to this larger theme happening collectively with Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn redefining society and structures. We have Uranus that's in Taurus now for the next seven years which will be shaking up what we value and what we place our importance on, especially when it comes to money um, and uh, fame and all of that. Um, I feel like they have to serve time or something because yeah. they're emblematic of everything that people in this country are angry about right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And it's um, it's unfortunate. It's I... Uh, like I do think they should serve time as well, but it, it's all extremely complicated, and it, it's, it affects a lot of people. And you know, we hear about the big names like Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin, but there were a lot of other rich parents and their kids that didn't know. And there was actually um, a suicide attempt at USC a couple oh, weeks cool. ago because they found out that their parents were One did the that. same thing. I yeah. feel like Felicity Huffman should have served time for her p- performance in Transamerica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever well, happened to predictability? <laughs> well, speaking of a, a WTF moment, my celeb WTF of the week, which is the segment where we talk about either a celebrity coupling, an interaction between a celebrity, something that's happened in the past that we just do not understand. Yeah, we just can't wrap our head around it. So this week's is Courtney Kardashian and Scott Disick. So I'm just going to like blast through these dates just because it's hilarious and you guys are not going to believe how long they've been on and off for. I mean, I always was like, oh yeah, they've broken up a few times. No, they have not broken up a few times. They've broken up a million times. So they met at a party in 2006 at a big film producer's house um, in his home in Mexico. Then in October of 2007, which is when Keeping Up With The Kardashians first premiered, they were a new couple on the show, and their storyline was that they had a pregnancy scare. Then in 2009, they had their first breakup after Courtney saw a contact on Scott's phone called My Wife. Um, (laughs) 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 But then during Courtney and Kim's spinoff show, Courtney and Kim Take Miami a few months later, Scott slithered his way back into um, back into her life, and then uh, she found out she was pregnant. Then in December uh, December fourteenth, two thousand and nine, they had their first child, Mason. June of two thousand and ten, Courtney broke things off with Scott again because of violent behavior, and she said she didn't want him around her son. Then come 2011, they're somehow back together, and he proposed to Courtney on Courtney and Kim Take Miami, and she said no. Then on July 8, 2012, Courtney gave birth to their second child, Penelope. Then at the beginning of 2014, Scott's father passed away, and he was dealing with a lot of depression and then went down another spiral. And then in the middle of the summer of 2014, Courtney announced that she was pregnant with their third child, and Scott was actually really not happy about this pregnancy. Their third child, Rain, was born on the same day as their first child, Mason, December 14th, but this year, 2014. So then March of 2015, Scott checks into rehab. July of 2015, they split up again after photos of Scott emerged with him and an ex. Then December 2015, Courtney starts randomly hooking up with Justin Bieber, which really set things in a spiral. November 2016, Scott was on a mission to win Courtney back, and they took a family vacation to Cabo. 
Then a year later, in December of 2016, they announced that they were officially back together. Not for long, because in February of 2017, Scott was caught cozying up with models, and then that caused another split. March of 2017, Scott, Scott admits he's a sex addict. Then, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is like the biggest talk. Um, April 2017, the two posted uh, photos on family vacation, co-parenting, coexisting. They're not romantic, but they're able to raise their kids together. Then on May 1st of 2017, Scott is caught with a woman on a family vacation with the whole Kardashian crew. It was a big episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Kim like attacked this girl. Um, Libras. Yes. May 31st, <laughs> 2017. This is where Sophia Ritchie comes into the entire equation. She denies dating Scott, but this is a time where he was dating really, really young women. Like Bella Thorne was before her, and like these girls were just freshly 18, I believe. Oy vey. But now Sophia and Scott have been in like a two-year relationship, and the family is all kind of friends. Even Courtney, Scott, and Sophia have posted kind of like sexy photos together. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm weird. just like, is there some like weird <laughs> thruple thing going on here? Mm. So yeah, this is the saga. Thanks for listening. But I find it fascinating because <laughs> these dates are seem to probably match up. Well, you said you went into the dates, right? I went into the dates of everything happening. Okay. So so can I go just go on the overview because yeah, I went it. into that first, and then you can jump on. All, is that cool? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Courtney is an Aries, very fiery, obviously there. Scott is a Gemini. Because they are both extroverted signs, they're very going. They're, they're, they have this natural fun and drama that will connect them. So you know that's going to be their draw there. However, you know, jumping ahead to uh, Sophia, she is a Virgo, but she has a Sagittarius rising. So that's why she connects very well with Scott because they're on the house of partnership for each other. He also has a Sag moon. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's how he's that born too. at a full moon as well. Totally, totally. So, you know, that's why he's really drawn to her and in, in, in that sort of commitment partnership energy. However, the thing that I'm loving the most about this, which is kind of strange, is Courtney also really connects with Sophia's ascendant in Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. So, and also, so Courtney's Mercury, which is, ha- which is how she communicates, is in Aries, fire. Sophia's Mercury, how she communicates, is in Leo, also fire. So they communicate and actually really enjoy each other. Yeah. So the friendship is real. It's mm. super weird. And, and you said uh, Sophia's a Virgo? Yes. Uh, Courtney's a Pisces rising. So yep. again, partnership and, totally. and everything. Um, Courtney also has a Capricorn moon. Um, is there anything else you... No, uh, yeah, just that overview is kind of really like... I, I was really fascinated about like, okay, so why are these people friends? Because I probably would stab a bitch. I mean, I'm joking, but you yeah. know what I mean. That's why it's a celeb. I just curse them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Courtney j- is just wrapping up her Venus return and her Mercury return. Mercury went retro right at her natal Venus um, at zero Aries. Um, her Mars is also in Aries. Um Going back to, I mentioned earlier in that earlier, or earlier story, the 2017 dates correspond to a Venus retrograde that happened in Aries. Overall, this, these points for uh, Courtney um, went direct in April, was still in shadow on May 1st during that, that one date. It was opposite Chiron, where uh, her natal Venus, Chiron's currently at the location of her natal Venus. Chiron also was in that kind of frame. Again, Chiron brings up old pains, old wounds. Um, Scott was having his Mars return, so kind of similar to what we were talking about mm-hmm. with Cardi B. Um, and his, the, the North Node was in Virgo, so the eclipses were in Pisces and Virgo, aspecting all of the, the, the Pisces and Virgo energy between, between uh, the three of them. 
Well, you said Scott is a Gemini? He's a Gemini with mm-hmm. Sag Moon. Mm. That makes mm. a lot of sense that Scott I don't mean to Gemini. generalize, but I yeah. feel like Geminis are really untrustworthy and shady. <laughs> well, and, and going back to Lori, she also had a Gemini Mars and Venus that were square this Mercury retrograde. Recently. I always have so much trouble with Geminis. Like, That's it's a, a theme aspect. in my life. Yeah. Huh? I know. It's like my, my mother's a Gemini, so I always feel bad saying that. But um, it's true. I love her. It's amazing. My mom's a Gemini, too. I keep on meeting Geminis everywhere, and I'm like, I don't know if I like you guys. Luckily, there are very few of them in my life, but whenever they do show up, I really, really have trouble with them. Totally. <laughs> totally. Like, kind of, like, off of that, do you guys ever notice how you literally have a lot of one sign in your life at one oh, yeah. point in time? It just, like, yeah. cycles, and it's strange. Yeah. Like, something I'm like... Oh my God! Everyone's a Capricorn, and like, or everyone's a Gemini, or everyone's a Sagittarius. It's what energy you're learning yeah. and what you have yeah. to focus on. That they aspect that in your chart, they like pull that energy up. So right now, the four of us, where our suns, where all of our planets are, and where they hit any, our specific charts, is activating that energy, mm-hmm. whether we're, you know consciously aware of it or not. Well, I always notice that there's a lot of wherever Jupiter is in the sky, that kind of, that person is, and but like Jupiter is conjunct my ascendant, so I am literally Jupiter rising. So that's so important, you know, as a cross current in my life. And so, you know, suddenly, you know, granted you and I have been friends for a long time, but like my roommate is also a Sagittarius. You know, I have all of these incredible Sagittarians in my life. And it's, you know, and last year it was Scorpio, you know, Mm -hmm. so just yeah. With all the cap, there's just so much energy in Capricorn too. It's, oh, a, it's I can't like wait. it's like it's like you the, going back to Taylor, Sagittarius Sun, Capricorn rising. Like, these are the energies to watch with all the with these bigger planets there for so long. That's what my boyfriend does. Sagittarius Capricorn rising. Well, speaking Very of good. things to watch and hearing more about you, Josh, this is going to be our segment where we talk to you and see what's going on. All right, First, we me. would like to give you a gift from um, our sponsor, Love by Luna. Can you explain what the candle is? Yes, absolutely. So with this candle, we have uh, a four-candle set. This one is the last quarter uh, candle. And so on a last quarter moon, it's going to help you to really kind of build that energy into your life. It is with French lavender and amethyst within it for healing. Beautiful. So Thank you so you would, much. I thought you would like that. I love a candle. I'm a candle queen. Yeah. this, yes. Thank you, Love by Luna. They have amazing products. Please make sure to visit them at lovebyluna.co. You're going to find some great stuff there. So let's get into what's going on with Josh. As we said, you are a writer on one of the biggest shows on streaming platform right now, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So I know we're going to talk a little bit about career. Guys, who wants to start us off? Well, you, my dear, are a Leo rising mm-hmm. with a Capricorn sun. So, you know, I, it's so funny because, like, I, I mirror a lot of that energy. So that's why, that's why I think that, like, yeah. even though I've been following you online for at least over a year now, I've just been like, oh, my God, this person, <laughs> I really, like, vibe with you, you know? Oh, yeah, so, likewise. Yeah, great. Um, well, that's flattering. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing that, you know, the way that I always like to look at two, both charts of everybody's energy. So their, their natal chart with their rising sign, but then also their solar chart and see how they are connected. And so, for instance, you know, we are actually going into, we have today, we we're in Taurus now, and we're going to have a new moon in Taurus, so on, on May 4th, coming up. So, when looking at Taurus energy, which is also related to, so it's related to your, your fifth house of love and creativity, mm-hmm. but then it also, because of your Leo rising, it's always connected to your career. So that's why, li- that was the thing that was most fascinating to me, is that literally you are doing art and creating art, and it's always going to make you famous. So if you follow that path, 
you will rise to the highest degree that you want, and it's it's valuing your skills. So you know, and we can see that tangibly in your life, and so it just really shows that you are in true. Uh, movement and in connection with your spirit and your life path. You know what's funny is I, for many years, was like a struggling playwright in New York and I had to keep a full-time job in advertising. And at a certain point, I said to myself, well, if this doesn't take off, that's fine. You know, I'll work in advertising and write plays on the weekend for free and that's fine. And as soon as I said that to myself, I got my first TV job and I made a movie with Danny DeVito. And it was like, <laughs> the universe was like, no, 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 no. Here, I will throw you a bone, keep you on this path. And so it like my life changed in one instant. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think that happens with a lot of people, too. Like, that happened with me last year. I was like, you want to take me home to Cleveland? Fine. And they're like, nope, here you go. You can yeah. stay. Well, going back to these, these important dates here, uh, May 4th, like I said, is going to be a brand new opening in your career and in your either love life or creativity. Mm-hmm. So start big projects then at that point in time. However, it is going to culminate. Are you still going to be in the writer's room on May 4th? Yes, unless I get fired on May 4th. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's unlikely. It's a really, really good news. Oh, okay, good. But the big, uh, the biggest moment, at least for your creativity and your, your love life, but also creativity, is around November 12th. So okay. think about trying to like really launch something uh, there could be, you know, another season announcement. Or there, you know what I mean? Something, mm-hmm. you know, really big is going to happen in, in a crescendo moment for you then. But even, you know, knowing and planning for ahead for that, uh, that that's going to happen, try to use that energy to your advantage. So do a publicity campaign, you know, launch a podcast, go get on a podcast. Anything that you can court attention, it will bring you favor and fame. You mean start that on, on May 4th or in November? We'll start that in May 4th, and then it's going to culminate around November 12th. Got it. But really plan for November 12th because you can, you know, step into the spotlight and grab the energy and be like, bitches, I am here. Done. Let's get it done. Uh, a cancer season will also be a huge highlight for you. You're mm-hmm. a Capricorn sun, Cancer rising. There's going to be a, a Capricorn and, a, and can- a Cancer eclipse. Cancer moon. Oh, Cancer moon. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, a lot of, a lot of the, that energy in today's episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah so there'll be two eclipses. Um, the first one being in Cancer. Um, a solar eclipse, so a great beginning, and then the... That's, ju- that's July 2nd. That's July 2nd, and yep. then July 16th, there's a Capricorn uh, total lunar eclipse, or actually, no, it's partial. The to- it's a total solar eclipse, then a partial lunar eclipse. Um, so they're aspecting your, your natal planets, especially specifically your sun and your moons, your inner world, your outer world, your mm-hmm. emotions. Um, so similar to Taylor, what I said earlier, sh- major shifts happening every six months. Plus, there's all the Capricorn energy, and you're a Capricorn. Right. So you're redefining, you're, you're, you're transforming, you're, you're putting yourself out there in a very amazing way, and just you know have to, having to stay positive and move forward. And uh, that's a good time for me to start getting Botox. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but, but, but having having a lunar eclipse. On in your the sign of your or a solar in, in your sun sign, but it's going to be a huge culmination. Um, thinking back to the lunar the solar eclipse in Capricorn this past uh, Capri- uh, Capricorn season, but having that solar eclipse in your moon sign, you can really implement uh, some sort of project or something with your relationship as well. Mm. Um, that's going to be very deep, mm-hmm. deep uh, and, and personal to you. Okay, will be uh, powerful. Well, one thing you know, we were kind of talking about Jupiter before, so I. I, you know, am very familiar with, with Capricorn energy. My brother is a Capricorn. The last person I loved was a Capricorn. So, you know, obviously we follow what happens to them in the stars. Uh, but basically right now with, with Jupiter being in Sagittarius, it's in your 12th house. So everything that you're establishing in, in this point in time 
is all about laying, you know, figuring out like anything you need to heal or anything that you truly need on, on a soul level that can actually help tangibly manifest in the coming in the coming year. On December third, Jupiter goes into Capricorn, mm -hmm. so all of next year is going to be, be a very massive, big point for you, launching yeah. you for the next 12 years of your life. Yeah, and I, and I think you're a zero-degree Capricorn, That's too. That's right, so yeah, I am. Jupiter, on December 3rd, will leave, leave Sagittarius and be right Bam! on top of your sun, um, so you can be great... Um, year of expansion. Also, your, your Venus and Mercury are both in Sagittarius, so Jupiter is transiting there right now. Mm. Mercury is your mind, communication. Venus is your love nature, expanding um, anything there, and they're, they're both beneficial planets as well. Great. Um, yeah, an astrologer told me two, like two years ago that 2020 was like, that's going to be a major year for you. Huge. It's a big year for a wait. lot of people, right? Plattern. Uh, Plattern. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I can't even say it. Saturn and Pluto uh, conjunction in January. Um, is going to be a major moment in history. Wow. So excited. There's, it's just going to be a really lovely year. And I mean, there's going to be, there are going to be shifts and things that we're going to have to kind of really get over. You know, obstacles will come into every single person's life, but it's because it's actually transforming you again to rebuild the structures that are the most yeah. important for, you know, a huge, yeah. you know, movement of humanity even. Mm -hmm. As above, so below, so below as above. Mm -hmm. What happens on the collective level is something happening internally with all of us, and change has to begin with the individual and within them. It's an election year, too. Yeah. I just realized. Oh, with so. a Mars retrograde in Aries, mm. Venus retrograde in Gemini. Um, Mars will be retrograde during the election, going direct wow. just a, a week after the election. So, What does that mean? You know, it can mean a lot of things for... Specifically, I mean, I mean, Trump is a Mars rising. Right. His Mars in Leo, and, and Mars retrograding in its home sign of Aries is just extremely significant and similar to the energy of, of last year with it going from Aquarius back into um, uh, Capricorn. It's really re, it's really re like reviewing um, how we're putting ourselves out into the world mm. and what's important. Do you know the degrees of? That it's twenty. It, it goes direct. It goes direct on your ascendant. It, uh, it goes, it's like uh, it's like twenty. I think it's like tw it's either tw it's like twenty seven, twenty eight, or twenty nine. It's like the end uh, of it or twenty six, and it goes back to like fifteen or sixteen. Okay, well, we need to move on to our yeah. final segment, which is Bang Mary Kill. This is our first game of Taurus season, mm. and Aaron is going to be giving us our options. So. It's going to be an all-male option. Okay. And all, all three men that I feel it's going to be very difficult to choose. Okay. First one, Niall DeMarco, David Beckham, okay. and, and Henry Cavill. Ooh. Henry's a Taurus? Yeah. Bang me, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, who, who would like to go first? I think we should let Josh. Oh, okay. Uh, I would marry David Beckham because I feel like he's a good husband. Mm -hmm. I would bang Henry Cavill, obviously. <laughs> and I would kill uh, Niall DeMarco because I didn't know who he was until 30 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> he is very good looking, though. Yes, he is very good looking. Um, I'm going to say I will bang Niall DeMarco because he's very handsome and I, I love his eyes. And I would marry... David Beckham, yeah, because he seems like a good family man. He seems man. like a good dad. I love a Dilf. Yeah, me too. Oh, and, those, <laughs> and those sleeves, too. I know. Oh. And I do love Henry Cavill, but I just have a feeling that he might be a little bit of a dog, so I want to stay mm. away from that one. I think I want to 
marry Superman. So Henry is going to be giving me a ring. Okay. That's going to happen. And then David, uh, I definitely agree with you guys on, you know, him seeing, like, husband material. But the thing is, all tourists just are. So, you know, I'm putting that out there, Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> so David is, yeah, I'm going to bang him. And then Niall, he can just, like, you know. Go away. Wait, did you just say that, did you just choose two people to bang? No, 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 Henry and oh, Mary. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can't bang all three of them. I have a lot of pent-up sexual tension, you guys, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and you think it looks good here? Yeah. Um, so I think I would marry Niall. I think he's he's sexy. Um, other two, I think I'd bang David Beckham and kill Henry Cavill. Okay. Yeah, I like this. Very you good. Know. Love it. All right. Well, thank you all so, so much for tuning in. And thank you, Josh, for being here. Um, thank we, you. What a joy. We had so much fun. And I really do love your work. So where can everyone follow you on social media? Or do you have anything coming up next you'd like to plug? Uh, the best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Joshua Conkle. And um, I don't really have anything coming up. But uh, season two of Sabrina is out. So please watch it on Netflix. Yes, binge it. It is fantastic. I like it even better than the first. Yay. All right, you guys can find me, Sam Davidson, at SamD43 on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure to follow us on Astro Peaky Radio. Email us, message us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, my, again, I'm Aaron LaFaro. You can follow me on Instagram at astrology underscore coach. Um, again, reach out if, you're, if you want a little more astrological insight. And I am Kyle Thomas, and you can find me on Instagram at M-R-K-Y-L-E-T-H. O-M-A-S. Thank you again for following us, and we look forward to all of the astro drama next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Astro Kiki Radio on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Astro Kiki Radio, and you can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure to join us next week, and don't forget, we are the only E-News of Astrology.